and welcome back to Mark's Madness. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, the depression is still there, guys. The yeah, depression is yeah. Still there. Don't let it don't let it be fooled by the upbeat <laughs> boop boop booping in my voice. Uh, there's this is still very much the uh, the remnants of <laughs> what what we had and what we what we're dealing with. Yeah, if we make any weird dated references uh, in this podcast that sound like they happened before uh, sixteen through twenty two, we're Quentin Tarantinoing this. We're it's we're, all out yeah. of order. It's yeah, all, not not for you, not for you. We're gonna hopefully no, have you stuff in order. Uh, we originally did this in order. We had all of Das Kapital ready. It was ready to move on to other works. And then the files got lost. Yes. Yes, they did. They got lost. That's a good way of putting that the, the, my yeah. iPad is... They, they, the files were lost. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. They were Fi- lost. Files were lost. And we still have notes from chapter 23 through chapter 32. Yes. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take some of those notes. We're going to do 23 and 24 today. Uh, for you listening, this happened after chapter 22, so you're probably going, what the hell are these guys going on about? <laughs> That's fine. Just enjoy this. Just enjoy this. Just get on the, just get on the ride. Just get, get on the on ride. On Let's the do ride. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, and, train. Uh, for us, for us, we're going to go back to chapter 23 and 24 because, hey, we understand the whole book now. Yeah. You know, so we would. Um, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, chapter 23 is going to be about simple reproduction. Now, I hear that. And I think of the birds and the bees, David. Now tell me yeah, why no. that's not right. That's not. That's tell not right. That's, tell me why Marx is not let's, going to talk about fucking for, for let's, a whole chapter. Let's start with. I mean, Marx is not totally. But this is this is not that wait. part of it. Oh wait, is there a book that he does that on? Because why no. don't we read that one first? <laughs> do we have Marx describes like like reproduction in a very carnal way? No, we, I would read that. We've we've mentioned it before that Marx wants reproduction in the working class. He does uh, to give well, him more labor. Wants reproduction in yeah. the working class. But this isn't even that reproduction. No, this is talking about the uh, reproduction of value. Uh, so he says, you know, a society can mo- no more cease to produce than it can cease to consume. When viewed, therefore, as a connected whole, as a flowing on the incessant renewal, every social process of production is, at the same time, a process of reproduction. Yes. Yeah. Remember that Remember that phrase? I remember that phrase. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty simple concept, right? If there's no one buying shit, what are you going to sell? Mm-hmm. If there's no one selling shit, how are you going to buy it? It's a cycle. It has to be a cycle. Yeah. So how do you feed that machine, and how does that machine continue to grow all the time? Because it has to, as we've described, capitalism has to constantly be growing, or the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, and we're getting kind of into a section where that's going to be made very, very clear. You know, uh, we've alluded to booms and busts in capitalism. No, we, no, no, no. We've alluded to crises. Crises? Okay. Crises. We've, what are they? What are those things? What are they uh, called? Uh, 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 depressions? We didn't, no, they're not depressions, dude. Oh, that's, that's, oh, that. oh, If we don't yeah. call them a depression, they're not a depression. No, they? Uh, they can either be a recession Panics? or they can be a panic. Panics? Yeah. 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 They're all depressions. They're all depressions. They're all depression. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, he's saying this is cyclical, and it's always. And we've established you've always got to expand. Yeah. You know, you're you're making capital to make more capital to make more capital. You always want that M prime going way back to the beginning. You want that M prime. That M prime is is your deal. Okay, so you've got to have a cycle that's going to make more and more M prime. Well, to make more and more M prime, you're going to have to make more and more exchange total. Okay, you're going to have to grow the population. You're going to have to find new things that people need and make them need it. Uh, and you're going to have to find new ways to slip value out of there uh, ever, ever more increasingly. And we just went through a, a bunch of chapters about trying to raise efficiency and the absolute, the relative surplus value, and just squeezing surplus value out of those people like they're an orange. Milk it! Milk that shit. Uh, so he's, you know, going saying, no society can go on producing, in other words, no society can reproduce, unless it constantly reconverts 
it's a part of its products and a means of production or elements mm. of fresh products. Yes. So again, Marx is looking at an overview. This is all congealed. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is also a little far down the step of you know we, we go through chapter twenty five uh, saying. This is if everything worked out perfectly. Yes. Okay. Now, a lot of this stuff is still how it works in the real world, and there's just corruption <laughs> and things on top of that. Got so it. nothing Marx is saying is untrue. But, you know, most of Marx is saying, you, you hear that and you go, oh, yeah, duh, that's right. You know, most are all the time. As we get a little deeper in Chapter 25, you're, you're going to think like, oh, that's only true in like, you know, maybe some little niche or something. But it's all still true, and, and it's all still what would 100% be true if we played by the capitalist rules. Um, this one's not quite as deep into that, but it's, it's, it's playing with those grounds. It's saying, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to, like, make a new factory unless you, you know, or, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to keep on working unless you're making new factories. You can't expand yeah. without expanding means of production. Right? I mean, just think of it simple Gilder style, right? You can't go from, you know, four people making clocks to ten people making clocks if you don't go from four sets of the clocks tools to ten sets of the clocks tools. Yeah. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Uh, so he's saying, just as in the former labor process figures, but as a means towards self-expansion of capital, Capital. So in the latter, it figures, but as a means towards reproducing capital, uh, i.e. as self-expanding value, the value advanced. It is only because his money constantly functions as capital that the economic guise of a capitalist attaches to a man. If for insurance, a sum of a hundred, we'll say dollar, pound, whatever, Please, yes. <laughs> uh, has the, the year been converted into capital and it, uh, produce a surplus value of 20, it must continue during the next year and subsequent years to repeat the same operation. So if you're going from your M of 100 to your M prime of 120, you've got to be able to go to another M prime of, of something more than 120. Yeah. Okay. And so you can't just like, you know, I mean, I have this 120, aha. It has to be able to go take that 120 and make it larger and larger and larger portions. Exactly. Okay. And that's, and again, this is getting back into, and again, we're going to be hitting around. And again, this is going to be dangerous now because now I know where the end goal is. So I'm going to do a little bit of what David did in the earlier chapters where it's like, fuck, is that here or is that coming up in a minute? <laughs> but this feels, this this whole argument kind of is putting the, oh, well, yeah, obviously, to the concept of when Jeff Bezos or people who are defending Jeff Bezos come out and say, but, but he just reinvests everything into the business. He's not actually making a profit. No, it's all just back into the bit. It's back into the business because that's the only way to keep expanding the business. That's why he's worth a quadrillion dollars. Yeah, I mean, we can go in, and I don't mind coming off on tangents. We've certainly done it. But we can go off for hours in ways we won't about yeah. how taxes work and how business expenses are deductible because it doesn't count towards your profit. Yeah. They're literally telling you that you get taxed if you don't take your means of production that you exploit people with and turn it into more means of production that you exploit people with. Yeah. If you let that money sit around and you don't force it back in to exploiting more and more people at a higher and higher rate, you get taxed for it. But if you force it back in, you get to write it off. So the interesting thing to note there, and it's something that, again, you want to you wanna start picking out as you see this is, so wait a minute. So for the system to work, you have to do this anyway. The capitalist has to reinvest a portion. It doesn't have to be all of it. Yeah. Uh, Marx doesn't assume it's all of it, but he could. Like, he theoretically could reinvest all of his production back into means of production to keep mm -hmm. rapidly expanding his business. And our government, our system of control is set up in a way that massively, massively incentivizes that. Yeah, so you have the system that incentivizes it and has to do that to survive. It has to do it anyway. It would do it regardless whether you incentivized it or not. So the fact that it's incentivized, when again, when people say, oh, well, we just got to look at the way everything is written, look at the way it's structured, and then tell me that we are not 
completely protecting a capitalist class. Yeah, and, and these are all the things, I mean, we talked about this with stocks, right? Yes. Yeah, the highest, like, 1% of people actually gets anything with stock, and the rest of us have what were pensions uh, robbed away from us yeah. and shoved back in these crappy 401ks, yeah. and all of a sudden, like, we're worried about the stock market. So we've got this, like, investment in, or property, a personal property, you just, you know, owning a house or a car, your things. So now you're about protecting property, and now you think, oh my god, cops are somehow on my side in spite of what they do to people, which, yeah, we'll get into that later. Uh, but, you know, it, it, when their their real job is they see property as a, a blanket thing, but they really got to protect private property, which is used to exploit you, this means of production, yeah. right? So, I mean, all this stuff, you've got this lesser degree of this this investment in it. Yeah. You know, and and taxes, you think, oh, I, I get to do company miles. That's a write-off. I get to save on my taxes. Well, guess what? For all those company miles, a company is now incentivized to exploit you more because they get to exploit you for free. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, you are paying for the society for the entire structure that helps them work. And that's before we get into half the budget going to military spending and shit like that. So, um, yeah. I mean, again, you know, really pressing stuff today yeah, as but always. But again, it's important sometimes just, again, just tie yeah. it back and make this... This is not abstract thought. This is very, very obvious, real-world stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, Marx is a materialist. But he's also, you know, taking it as abstract as can. He's not getting into the tax and stuff. He's just getting no. into the nature of things. And that's why we're here. Um, because we're looking at at the system, you know, and he looks at it in a big congealed way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he says, the labor is not paid until after he expended his labor power and realizing commodities not only its value, but surplus value. He has therefore produced not only surplus value, for which the present regard as to a fund to meet the private consumption of the capitalist, but he's also produced, before it flows back to him in the shape of wages, the fund out of which he himself is paid, the variable capital. And his employment lasts only so long as he continues to reproduce this fund. There is literally no risk to the capitalist. When people None. say the capital, oh, well, they're, they're going out and taking risks and all this kind of stuff. No. No, they're not. Because at the end of the day, the, when, when, when is a business going to fold? A business is going to fold when it cannot exploit people to make profit anymore. It's not going to fold because the person lost something. It's going to fold because they're not able to effectively exploit another group of people to make money. Yeah, absolutely. That's a story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, if the person even fucked up royally personally, someone else would just buy it out and keep exploiting. Exactly. Business, business is only going to stop when it stops exploiting. No one is going to lose stuff in the business. The only thing they might lose, they might lose if they do it horribly and it just completely reboots at the beginning, is the ability to exploit people. Uh-huh. You lose what? your initial cap. Whatever initial capital you started with, you theoretically have an option to lose. But most of the time, if that was really the case, you weren't a capitalist. You were petty bourgeois at best. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know... But but th- this is a very big thing. You know, you're you're essentially going out and you're working and you're making, say, $120 worth of value mm-hmm. and completely loaning that whole 120 to the capitalist so that they can give you 40 of it back yep. or whatever. You know, I mean, that's that's exactly what it is. You're, you're loaning out to yourself for no interest. You're, you know, I mean, we talk about usury and we'll get into more usury oh, very, very soon here in a oh, footnote. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of Martin Luther oh, goes the fuck in. Oh, Jesus. The, oh, we gotta do Luther again. Fuck. Yeah, we gotta do Luther again. God, he it. goes the fuck in. Um, but, you know, I mean, usury is something that, that these 
these merchants and shit can do to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, everything's a loan right now. Your your house is huge debt. Your car is huge debt. Micro loans, all of this kind of shit. Right, payday loans have got out knows how much interest. Guess what you're doing, and you're not getting paid back interest on. You're essentially losing interest for no good reason except someone else owns property. Your labor, the only thing you have to sell. There is a a funny. You want to talk about loans and how just kind of bizarre this has gotten. Um, I gotta figure. I gotta go source it just to make hundred thousand percent sure that that it is where we want to be. So just just if if we need to put in that end point here when we get back, sure. we might want to. There was a there's a huge expansion. I got I cannot remember if it was South Korea or Japan. Um, it was one or the other. It might have been China, but I feel like it wasn't China. Taking out loans for very 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 a hamburger. Oh, Getting shit. a hamburger on ten-year installments. Oh, yeah. Buying buying a, a book on t- on a twenty-year kind of plan like this, like, like the uh, basically just the commodification of of everything to a point where it is. No, no, we can loan that. We can make that a loan. We can do this. We will. We will absolutely make you pay for that hamburger four hundred times over the next ten years. Jesus, because you're just at that point where they've made it easy and they found a way. They found, someone found a fun little exploitation that they could do, and it's making them a boatload of money. I'm gonna guess Japan just because they're farthest right, it, and there's some dystopian shit with some of their like robot markets and stuff like that over yeah. there. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to look that up. That's, yeah, it, that's it, that's crazy. It's there. I'll find it before the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Marx is going to keep on going, sees the illusion begotten by the intervention of money vanishes immediately. So he's saying, if it, I'm sorry, the illusion begotten by the, the uh, intervention of money vanishes immediately if instead of taking a single capitalist and a single laborer, we take the class of capitals and the class of laborers as a whole. The capitalist class is constantly giving the laboring class order notes in the form of money on the portion of commodities produced by the latter appropriated by the former. The laborers give these order notes back just as constantly the capitalist class, and in this way they get their share of their own product. The transaction is veiled by the commodity form of the product and the money form of the commodity. So he's saying, you know, I mean, the idea that you do this in a paycheck, you're not getting, like, you know, you're not getting, making a hundred widgets, and then capitalist at the end of the week goes, okay, here's 40 of your widgets back. You go, and here's your paycheck. Here's what we agreed to pay you, you know, to keep you up. Da, 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 I'm, this is a risk I'm taking. That That's the whole illusion. You know, money clouds that up. And it's easy to cloud that up in one person, because you're thinking about your paycheck. And you're thinking about, you know, maybe, hey, I don't have the means of production to make this widget. And, I mean, we're talking now about why that's a problem as a system and why that was created manually as a system. And you're kind of taught that's the way it is growing up. But nonetheless, um, you would at least see that if you were getting your widgets back. The money kind of masks that. But Marx, again, he looks at this as a whole. You're not going to fix things unless you see the cause. And every cause Marx sees, he keeps seeing as systemic. And that makes sense. If you're seeing a large trend, you should look at it not as a bunch of little trends, but as a large trend. Only an idiot would do it otherwise. And when you look at it as a large trend, you see very much that the capitalist is you know, holding this property, and the workers are giving it all of its value and then getting a portion back. So you're not going to be able to look at your own job without this theory here and say, okay, you know, I mean, that's what I'm really doing. I'm I'm making two weeks worth of money for the capitalist, and then at the end of the week, I get my one week's worth back. You're, I mean, maybe, you know, now that you have the theory, but you're not going to do that on your own, just naturally coming to it. But if you do what Marx did and look at an overview of the system, all of a sudden it's obvious, and the money masking goes away. And that's the whole point of this. Again, the system s- sustains itself by finding ways to obfuscate what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It sustains itself by by kind of 
always, always making it appear as if this is an equitable system that is on even footing and that there were even your fair exchange and the market and all this kind of, and again when you when you break it down to its actual like what is actually happening is when mm-hmm. you start seeing all the fun little fun little areas where again where it's like wait, wait hold on a second why would i wait a minute so i do all this stuff and then you pay me afterwards out of this well how, how does this how is this fair how does this balance yeah and and you never see that because you know i mean you just see it as a paycheck yep. and you see it as a paycheck you're like fuck i need to eat yep. you know and and the system is always it's always about masking stuff you know we talk uh i don't know how many times about foreign policies once twice three times removed you know you have this ngo with this fancy name like you know human rights watch or you know amnesty international or or, or you know the the uh, defensive national endowment of defensive democracy sounds very official and and caring and 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 independent and then you dig like one layer deep and it's you know ninety percent funded by these former CIA agents and these mm-hmm. these CEOs and these lobbyists of these weapons you know manufacturers and, and it's just a bunch of warmongers wanting war and then you go one one layer deeper and of course they're directly funded by either these weapons manufacturers yep. or the CIA you know like USAID the CIA and they, you know, keep winding up admitting to plots, like when they tried to give Cuba a bunch of cell phones so they should could push out uh, social networking oh. messages to try to get people to turn against Castro. That was like the dumbest thing ever. But they failed to assassinate him 600 times, so I they're going to do stupid shit. At some point, Cuba. at some point, just punt on that one, guys. Just admit you lost. Him yeah, before. but you know, I mean, this people hear USAID and they go, oh, you know, that must be like giving food to poor people in this this do-gooder. That's the U.S. You know, formally doing it, not just some rich asshole like Bill Gates. You know, euthanizing. Uh, well, not euthanizing. Uh, uh, it, make them infertile. Eugenic. Uh, 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 sterilizing. 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 Uh, sterilizing women without them knowing in order to get them, you know, the Ebola vaccine that they could otherwise get without being sterilized from Cuban doctors. But, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Gates hides that fact from them. You know, I mean, it's 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 not that. It's from the U.S. government. It seems very official. And that turns out to be a bunch of bullshit that hardly helps anyone, if at all, mm-hmm. and is there to try to undermine other countries. You know, and so it's once, twice, three times removed. And it just gets completely masked off. And you just think, oh, my God. And and the whole system's like that. Now we're seeing the whole system is masking like that. You know, money comes about naturally. No one thought, hmm, we should do money to mask, you know, exploitation, right? It just came about. But it masked these things. The the end result is that it masked these things. And at some point, these capitalists, these ruling class people, they're not all going to be conscious. You know, I mean, there's certainly plenty of media pundits that really think they're doing the good thing. And these narratives they're repeating are just right. And and some of that's them telling themselves to feel better. And some of that's just being around it. And, you know some of that's just just being a little naive whatever it is but there's also ones that that know they're they're bullshitting and doing you know propaganda there's there's capitalists that know they're exploiting you and they know you're paying them first and they're they're loaning it back and then maybe they'll even self-deny it like oh i really did give this opportunity but at some point they know they're just exploiting people and they're the problem and, is you only need a couple of those self-aware people to really keep the whole thing going yeah yeah <laughs> you don't need everyone to be self-aware everyone else can be kind of cocky i mean you you technically don't even you know need that you uh, marks talked before about the, the moment where the capitalist is suddenly conscious and they'll go unconscious again when they're when they're like, I need you to make money. You know, they're not fully conscious. They're just conscious temporarily in the situation and that flies out of their head. You know, so, yeah, I mean, you don't even need any, but it, it certainly works a lot better when a few are conscious. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we can't let this system just, like, mask itself away. And that's kind of its MO. That's the thing it does. Yes. So, um, 
And then he goes on, he says, variable capital is true, only then loses its character value advance out of the capitalist funds when we view the process uh, production in the flow of its constant renewal. So remember, this is a cycle, it's a cycle. But that process must have had a beginning of some kind from our present standpoint, and therefore it seems likely that the capitalist, once upon a time, Mm. became possessed of money. Hmm. Yes, and ah, ha Weird. This is fun. This is fun to do after 25. It is fun to go back to this one now after getting to the (laughs) Not 25, after the end of like 30. 30, Yeah, Yeah, after after the end of primitive accumulation. Yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, Oh, lordy. Yeah, that fucking fun fairy tale uh, (laughs) that they just came. It fell from the sky. They were hit over the head with money appeared. (laughs) So, Division Squad, he says, by some accumulation that took place independently of the unpaid labor of others. This is magic. Independently. And and this was, therefore. It is important. Sorry. No, this is important because this is. There are times. There are times going through this book that you go, okay, well, why the... You can almost do this book backwards and it would be okay. Because what they are talking about there, when they say that that accumulation independent of the exploitation of others, they're talking about this myth that Adam Smith created whole cloth out of nothing with no fucking way to back it up ever that was basically saying that at the beginning... There were just some people that really wanted to work harder than other people, and they just sort of acquired more stuff, and then everybody else just decided, I really don't want to work hard. I'm going to go work equally as hard, but for them, so that I don't get it. And that's how the whole system started. That's the... Guys, spoiler alert. That's their end game. That's what they're going to try and tell you happened. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Nathan, are you are you telling me that right wingers would make an evidence free claim? I I can't, but it's not even about that. things being American. It's not even right wingers. It's the fucking root base, oh, yeah. genesis, Big Bang theory of your entire economic system is based on a complete bullshit fabrication. It, complete nonsense. It's also kind of silly too, because capitalism didn't like come out of primordial soup. No, it came it out of feudalism. It came out of feudalism, which all again, it's all, <laughs> and colonialism. It's all built on the back of built on the back. But even if you go all the way back to the beginning of that, that's not how it started. And again, we, that's where I will stop because we will. Oh, we will go. We'll get very bad. I don't care that we spent two hours going into it the first time we did it. We'll go back in when we get the fucking thirty. Holy <laughs> shit! God damn it! But yes. Just remember when, when when Marx is talking about the before and they they acquired it. It's nonsense. It's nonsense and lies. So he says, however this may be, the mere continuity of the process, simple reproduction, brings out some other wonderful changes, which affect not only the variable, but the total capital. Yeah, Marx is not like that Uh, little man. No, yeah, he's he's turning the the sarcasm meter up to a thousand. Yeah, uh, you know, I I like this this line in the middle of the next paragraph. It says, when a person gets through all it, all his property by taking upon himself debts equal to the value of that property. It is clear that his property represents nothing but the sum total of his debts. So I see you can't just take out these risky debts and make yourself from nothing without you know exploiting some people. Yes, I mean you would really just have to do the work yourself. And if you really did the work yourself, what the hell's the point of the debt? Yeah, you don't. It doesn't. And again, it's it's the it's the oh it's just small loan of a million dollars from daddy interest rates. Yes. Yes. Again, just go to the root of all of these and try and find me the feel good story that actually holds up. It's not there. No. No. They're not there. No, and 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 even when they are there, you're building a whole system on t- 
tiny exceptions to the rule. Which they, they need to happen. happen. They want them to happen because it makes it seem like it's possible. And as Mark sarcastically pointed out here, even those that that, that like leak through the, the self-made man, the path there is exploiting people, and the accomplishment is to get to exploit people. Yeah. Like, being rich isn't just, aha, I'm rich, I get to keep working every bit as hard for little no. scraps. That's not wealth. No. Wealth is luxury. If you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, you can only pull yourself up to a certain point. And that point is, and now I can exploit others to do this for me. Yeah. Period. There is no other end game. (laughs) So, a little later on, Marx goes, On the one hand, the process of production incessantly converts material wealth into capital. It means of creating more wealth and means of enjoyment for the capitalist. On the other hand, the labor on quitting the process is what he was on entering it. A source of wealth, but devoid of all means of making wealth on his own. (laughs) Ah, yes. And that's what they need. They need need to create their two little classes, and then they do everything they can once it's created to broaden that base of of necessary, desperate, beholden labor. Mm -hmm. And I really, I would have put a little bit of microscope on this. Please. We've been very microscopy already. Going back the second time gives us a lot more enthusiasm. Oh, there's so many times for <laughs> but I want to put this one under a microscope because it's a biggie. Okay, this is the only thing in the whole book you hear hear this because it, it essentially proofs all of this bullshit, all of it. Okay, you it, you could say you know hardworking rich people and not hardworking minimum wage or whatever rumors you want. You did work. You went to work and did work. Okay. And you came out, you went in with nothing, you did work, you came out with nothing. Your work, essentially, in that case, is worthless if this system is just. The capitalist went in, and they came out with more capital to exploit people. So, no matter what, you look at this, and all of your work... All of it's, you know, I earn this, I earn this myself, you know, I mean, and you can tell yourself that of some of the commodities that you've had to keep up to survive, you know, you, I mean, you need shelter, you, you know, I earned all this myself, or I've stayed out of so much debt where, you know, my kids aren't drowning in hundreds of thousands of dollars when I die, just like tens of thousands or whatever, you know, I, I earn this, you know, and, and a lot of people take pride in that, and I don't mind that, I mean, you, you save hard, you work hard, you do your best in this crap system, and you should be proud of that, yeah. but you earn this yourself, and then you realize, well, you've earned nothing, because you still got to turn around and go do, do work. Because at the end of the day, until you are at a point where you say, if I stopped showing up to this, I'm fine, Yeah, it doesn't exist. And here's the other problem, and it, it, it gets pointed out so many times, that when we say we're good, when we say we've hit it, when you that, that dream of, uh, I want to retire, and I want to be able to stop, because essentially, in the capitalist system, the only victory for the working class is, is retirement. That is the only dream you can shoot for. That is the only goal you can have if you are a member of the working classes. At a certain point, I will have worked enough that I don't have to do this anymore, and I can reproduce my quality of life for the rest of my life without having to show up and degrade myself like this every day. Mm-hmm. And then you run into these fun examples where they even fuck that part up. So, like, the United Airlines crisis, when oh, they God, went under yes. right after uh, right after 9-11 and all of that. And part of their going to bankruptcy court was going and saying, well, we want to come out of bankruptcy, but in order to do that, these pensions and these retirement funds we built for these people, yeah, we can't afford to keep paying that in their medical. Uh, so we're going to say we can't pay that and default on that, kick it over to the taxpayers to pay a third of what it's worth, because that's the legal amount they had to pay out, and then say, fuck you, and go back to making money. Yeah. And the bankruptcy court said, cool, go ahead and do that. So the government said that's absolutely an okay thing to do. You gut these people's retirement for nothing. They did nothing else. It just it can just be taken away objectively for no reason. 
Yeah, and on top of that, I mean, you think about what that is, right? Retirement is communal subsistence yes. for the elderly. We could do that as a community anyway. We should be doing that as a community anyway. Yeah. So even when you have this pension, this thing I earned, yes. you have nothing. So no. with that pension taken away, you can't go, oh, well, you know, at least I earned this factory to exploit people with. No. Fuck, no, you got nothing. And again, if, you something, got nothing. if something happened, one person, one thing comes out, and then your everything you've built up is gone, and then you're back to square one, and you've got nothing because you didn't. Your retirement, again, yeah, you're right, didn't come with a factory. They didn't, like, at the end of the day, go, and here's your own little exploitation. Yeah, here's factory. your bank. You're up. No, you just you, you start over, and your kids start over, and you keep going, and you hope. And this is, again, you want to talk about why this system is pernicious, and you want to talk about why... When people who who really 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 start reading this book immediately go into uh, 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 why structural racism is a huge deal, yeah. Because if you read this and go, okay, so if the end goal in your little perfect system is that every generation slightly accumulates more over time, over time, over time, over time, over time, slowly but surely to the point where they can eventually become the exploiter, then you're saying it just takes a lot of time and a lot of being good over generations to do that. And it kind of becomes hard to justify when you admit that you fucking cut an entire race of people off at the knees at that and only let them start about 100 years ago at best. Yeah, that's been pretty generous in the last 100 years. Even if you believed this system and really believed in this system, but you better fucking sure as hell believe in reparations because how the hell else can you justify it? Yep. How else can you sleep at night? So again, this it's how all of this tie one Thing. One, one, tie, uh, pick at the underpinnings of it, and the whole thing just kind of starts, oh god, oh god, and it all just kind of starts washing over you. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, we talk about this, we've, we've got essentially through categories of people, the obvious, you know, spoon fed trust fund kids, and they don't necessarily have to be trust fund kids, but the capitalist that, that is born into at least middle class, at least, you know, petty bourgeois or skilled, you know, labor in the suburbs, you know, and, and they can send their kids off to college, and, you know, I mean, it can risk a startup, whatever that, you know, these, these rich get richer people, right? Uh, the mythical self-made man, which, you know, really, of course, comes from the middle class, yeah. and uh, the the working class, the rest of us. And if you're in the working class, you did work, yep. but, you know, even if the, the mythical self-made man could come up with something, uh, the, the tiny percentage of the time, the rest of us also did work, and we came out with nothing. Well, how does that work? It had to go somewhere. The value of our labor had to go somewhere. It didn't just get consumed. You know, we didn't just... It's not like everything we ever did was just eaten like a cheeseburger. <laughs> the products are out there. Uh-huh. You know, uh, somebody has it. And who has it? The capitalists. Yep. The bourgeoisie. Uh, so then Marx is going to say, The laborer, therefore, constantly produces material objective wealth, but in the form of capital, of alien power that dominates and exploits him. And the capitalist as constantly produces the labor power, but in the form of a subjective force of wealth, separated from the objects in and by which it can alone be realized. In short, he produces the laborer, but as a wage laborer. He gives you this job, and he gives you this job by making sure you need this job and exploiting the shit out of other people to do it. He says, the laborer consumes in a twofold way. While producing, he consumes by his labor the means of production and converts them into products with a higher value than the capital advanced. This is his productive consumption and at the same time consumption of his labor power by the capitalist who bought it. On the other hand, the laborer turns the money paid him in his labor power into means of subsistence. And again, this is a socially necessary means of subsistence. So it's not just, you know, you have to eat your gruel to survive. No. You know, I mean, it, it might be something like 
you need to have your cell phone, you need to have a car, you need to have, you know, so many clothes or no one's going to freaking hire you. It's socially necessary means of subsistence. And that's going to vary wildly depending on a lot of different factors. <laughs> a lot right? of different factors, exactly. yeah. Exactly. So social necessary means of subsistence yeah. doesn't mean, oh, well... Time, like, region, $15 culture. an hour is... Per- yeah, $15 in California and $15 in Missouri, not the same $15. Mm-hmm. Not the same reproducing the same means of subsistence there. Yep, so Marx continues, this is individual consumption. The laborer's product productive consumption and his individual consumption are therefore totally distinct. In the former, he acts as the motive power of capital and belongs to the capitalist. and the later, he belongs to himself and performs his necessary vital functions outside of the process of production. The result of one is that the capitalist lives, and the other that the laborer lives. Hmm. That's, yeah, it's hmm. pretty creepy way to think. And of course, the capitalist just wins both ways. Every time. And you come out with nothing but subsistence both ways. That's yeah, super good. Yep. Uh, and he says, the individual consumption of labor, whether it proceed within the workshop or outside it, so again, you know, if it's a lunch break at work or if it's you cooking for your family, yeah. you know, uh, whether it be part of the process of production or not, forms therefore a factor of the production and reproduction of capital. Just as cleaning machinery, whether it be done while the machinery is working or while it is standing, yeah, you got to realize <laughs> when this book is written, how yeah. many battles have been won for for labor since then. Uh, the fact that this labor consumes his means of subsistence for his own purposes and not to please the capitalist has no bearing on the matter. Nope. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if you just like a nice clean desk instead of the capitalist going, clean your desk. It doesn't matter. You're, you're still cleaning your desk and that's making it more productive. It, you'd be surprised how much clean desk actually makes a difference. You know, I mean, you save time organizing and all that stuff. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so. <laughs> anyway, uh, individual consumption provides on one hand the means for the maintenance of and reproduction, and on the other hand, it secures by the annihilation of necessaries of life the continued reappearance of the workmen in the labor market. The Roman slave was held by his fetters. The wage labor is bound by his owner by the invisible threads. The appearance of independence is kept up by a means of constant change of employers and by the ficto juris of his contract. So basically, you know, you talk to these different classes, and these guys are competing with each other. You know, you might work for Pepsi and then go work for Coke, and you know, oh, they don't want each other to succeed. No. She's not trying to help Coke out, but really, they're working together to exploit you. And it, it's, you know, it just becomes an illusion. It's obfuscated by, well, you, there's all sorts, I can go somewhere else and work for somebody else. I'm not going to keep feeding you and your, your bullshit system. And this concept of, oh, God, and it hurts so deep down inside. The, oh, well, if if, if, a pl- if things made by bad people, then we'll just, we'll, we won't use that. Well, the system will make sure that bad people don't succeed. Yeah, we can point out that Nestle still exists, by the way, if you want to uh-huh. make that argument. You know, the people trying to justify actual slavery in the year 2018. Yeah, and that's like the other thing they do besides besides being the James Bondian level let's monetize water as a as a monopoly thing. Yeah, yeah. and don't that think one. we're being like him like oh man, water's free like whatever that fuck commercial was from years ago. No. no, I mean seriously, they take like the best cleanest water and they buy it off so people can't have it. Yeah. And there are places with undrinkable water that can ac- yeah. can't access their own water resources because Nestle has held it yeah. and this eminent domain that the government supposedly has for the good of the people that is always used for the good of corporations suddenly can't be used to say Nestle you need to give Flint clean water instead of privatizing all this shit in Michigan you know it, it says Nestle if we have a hurricane down here we're going to buy the Michigan water while the people in Flint have dirty water and the people down here don't have any water because your other factory of water this other company bottling it for soda just north of here at Baton Rouge you know I mean it's it's it's, it's and Nestle and I don't want to say Nestle is the only one I mean there's beer companies that do it there's other bottled water companies that do it but Nestle is 
the king of that. Nestle literally had to come out in t- on Twitter and say, we don't support slavery. And if you're forced to make that comment And that was after Twitter, they said they did. <laughs> if, you're, if you have to weigh in on, we think slavery is bad, you're not doing... Also, literally exactly what they're doing, and as bad as it is as a French, as they're pro-war and pro-imperial, it is literally the plot of a James Bond movie. It is literally the plot of Quantum of Solace. The thing that the evil guy does is exactly what Nestle does on a day-to-day basis. They are literally (laughs) supervillains. It is a nightmare. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's that's just one branch of, of what they do. And they're, yeah. they're in every fucking thing. They're everything. Yes. Stouffer's to food. You know, dog food. To, yeah, I mean, just everything. Chocolate. Just all of it. They're, they're it. garbage. Creamer garbage for your coffee. All goddamn thing. Garbage people. Yep. Uh, so we're going to move on to chapter 24. Yes. And that'll be the other one we do today because chapter 25 is big. Yeah! Um, but chapter 24 is pretty big. I forgot how big it was when we, we did it the first time, but oh I still think it fits with chapter 23. Okay. Uh, so we're only half an hour into this. We'll live. We'll live. We'll survive. <laughs> so, uh, chapter 24 uh, is the conversion of surplus value into capital. Ooh. And you remember, I mean, Mark said this before, and he wasn't very clear, and and you know, he basically said capital is not just money. No. Uh, capital is, is stuff. It's means of production. You know, capital is the factory, the transportation, the, the, the uh, uh, constant capital that's going to be translated when you create stuff. Uh, it might be a retail storefront if you're a retail worker. It might be uh, the... I mean, we've obfuscated it so much in the modern times that it might be, you know, an app, an intellectual property or, you know, for your brand because we've totally fucking got... Oh, just so... Uh, yeah, I gotta love, gotta love that. And that's another... You know, we were talking about the tax breaks. That's another way that, that reinforces the system to, to incentivize, you know, um, centralizing this and... and, and, and Monopolizing this for very few corporations that rule over you is intellectual property. Um, so just the concept, just yeah. The, Disney, the fun, the fun and, it's, of, and it's advertised as keeping companies from just stealing your stuff when really it is allowing companies to yeah. steal your stuff. It's exactly D- backwards. The Disney Corporation, you know, a company that made all of their money off of stuff that was in the public domain and then has passed every law under the sun to make sure that no one can ever do that again. Yes, to their yes. stuff. Yes, Mickey Mouse is like basically permanently. Disney's. Yeah. It's bad. Um, so anyway, uh, we're going to start and we're going to go in here and we're going to say his own yarns circulate only because he brings his annual product to market as all other capitals likewise do with their commodities. But these commodities before coming to market were part of the genuine general annual product, part of the total mass of objects of every kind, in which the sum of individual capitals, i.e. the total capital of society, had been converted into the course of the year, of which each capitalist had in hand only an adequate part. The transactions of the market effectuate only the interchangeable individual components of this annual annual product and transfer them from one hand to another. But neither can he augment the total annual uh, production nor alter the nature of the objects produced. Hence, the use that can be made of the total annual product depends entirely on its own consumption and in no way upon circulation. So, uh, and again, just to make sure we're I'm on... And this is, this is the worker he's talking about, not the capitalist he's talking about here. Yes. So, yeah, when I say his own yarn, you know, um, it, the worker doesn't get to decide. It, it, you're working with these yarn. You're working with those means of production. You, get, you don't get to decide at all 
No, where it goes. We'll, we'll go, what goes on with it. Uh, you just get to, to handle its one step of consumption. That that drives you. Um, how it circulates, you know, you can't say, oh, I wish, you know, more yarn was made into gloves. You don't get that control of how these products circulate around. You just get to take this yarn and make it into this thing the capitalist says it is. And it also just goes to the point that the, all the, a lot, the sense, some of it has to get reconverted back. It, since we just went over this, it has to get reinvested back in to create more capital to do all that. Mm-hmm. It, it, the stuff that you're making is go, isn't is going to be, not all, some of it is like, it's not even going to be made for a person to use. It's yeah. literally, you're making a thing to sustain, so that you can come back next year and make the thing again, over yeah. and over, because you need some, well, one industry needs people always making threads so that we can keep making gloves. It, 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 it's a constant thing. It's not even going to get made. Yeah, and remember, I mean, we're, we're looking at this as an overview, you know, eagle's yeah. eye view congealed. So you might think like, well, what the hell part of yarn to gloves is going to help me make more yarn? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but you've got to talk about, you know, the capitalist class versus the working class. As you're turning this yarn into gloves, mm-hmm. there has to be just as much or more of the working class making more yarn for the future gloves, making new yarn spinning equipment, uh, making new stores to sell the gloves at, uh, you know, I mean, making sales if you're yeah. a salesperson. Uh, you know, all of that stuff ha- has to be done. And that's workers as a class. It's not the one one worker. So remember, again, this is overview. This is congealed. congealed. Yeah. Um, the blob. The blob. <laughs> the great blob. The great blob of capital. <laughs> so he says, to accumulate, it is necessary to convert a portion of the surplus production into capital. But we cannot, except by a miracle, convert into capital anything but such articles as can be employed in the labor process. You can't just make the gloves into something that's spent by yarn. We just no. talked about this. And such further articles as are suitable for the subsistence of labor. Consequently, a part of the annual surplus value must have been applied to the production of additional means of production and subsistence. Over and above the quantity of these things requires to replace the capital advanced. In one word, the surplus value is convertible into capital solely because the surplus product, whose value it is, already comprises the material elements of new capital. And again, you know, yeah. and this is as a class. And it's again, it's over and over. You're it's always over and over. Making, it's a cycle. We're producing for producing sake, consuming for consuming sake. We're always making the stuff for the stuff next year. Yeah. We're always making, and we're always assuming that that stuff will grow and that we'll need more of it. Because yeah. again, if you've ever worked in a company, well, well guys, all right, we're going to do a little bit more than we did last year. We're going to do a little bit more than we did last year. We're going to do a little bit more than we did yeah, last I mean, year. You say, hey, guys, this. at a certain point, that's going to, oh, fuck. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Busts. Hmm. Wonder yeah. why busts happen in this system. Yeah, I mean, think about the stock market. The stock market is entirely, you're comparing it to the past. Did it go up or did it go down? Up is good, down is bad. There's no such thing as staying the same. That's not okay with this. Static doesn't exist. They would, yeah, I mean, their minds would literally explode. It would not. They would just have an aneurysm. It does not compute. Just collected aneurysm. Yeah. So. I mean, it's just... And he has one sentence that kind of says that. He says, from a concrete point of view, accumulation resolves itself into reproduction of capital on a progressively increasing scale. It's always getting bigger. It's always getting bigger. It's always getting bigger. And that's true, as he says in a chunk of a sentence a little farther, whether the same capitalist who accumulates it employs it or whether he hands it over to another capitalist. And that's, again, where you're talking... When you talk about, well, no, but they're all kind of in competition and Coke and Pepsi don't find it in a worldwide... No, no, because some of these people are literally making, I'm an industry my whole industry is to make a thing for another industry to succeed and they're all interconnected and we get to, I don't think we're getting into it in this chapter, but I think we'll get to it as we go of 
that's going to get spread out and diffused, and that's why the capitalists will suddenly have their hand. That's why Jeff Bezos literally does everything. Yeah. Because the he more, owns the Washington Post. The more of it you do, the better you're going to be at this. Yeah. Period. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And they're always differentiating is the word they like to say. Differentiating. Yeah. Diversifying. Diversifying. That's the real Diversify, my friend. No, you're going to make sure that if something busts, you don't go under. Yeah. Period. That you're not the it's, one that can, because again, a you're always part of the portfolio. Because the capital again, we're talking about this on a class system. So when people, yeah. well, but this guy's business failed and then he was destitute and he became a homeless person. The system isn't fucking rigged. We're talking about classes. We're talking about groups of people. Capitalists as a group didn't go under and and suddenly stop to be. One did, and so they realized, oh shit, I can't do just one thing because otherwise, if it fails, I lose. So let's go everywhere. Oh, and remember, they produced means of production somehow in there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, maybe they they made a bunch of. We'll go back to the yarns and gloves. Made a bunch of bunch of gloves, and then they went under. Well, great. The retail stores still have gloves to sell. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody is going to intercept that means of production. If not, the bank foreclosing on it, another company buying them out, or maybe the bank foreclosing on it, and then someone buying from there for cheap so they can get one of those short-term wins like the machines get them and accumulate capital more quickly to explore more people later. It's always a win for the class. Every time. Uh, and and that's really taking away from the working class too. Because let's say you're you're a small business and you fail and you fall into the working class. Now not only is this person going to go there and reproduce more value with their work, but they took some value that a bunch of other people reproduced that was already held by the capitalist class. They handed it off to them and then made one less of them to divvy it between and one more worker for them to exploit. All in the transaction of falling off. It's so it's just. You know, I mean, no no one. I mean, the guy that fell out of the capitalist class was. But no one who remains in the capital class loses mm-hmm. from that. Uh, <coughs> so Marx goes on. Though the latter, with his portion of the tribute, purchases the additional labor power even at its full price, so the equivalent is exchanged for equivalent, yet the transaction is for all that only. Do- <laughs> for all that only the old dodge of every conqueror who buys commodities from the conquered with the money has, been, has to be robbed of them. Yeah. And that's, again, you're getting into the, oh, well, we got, well, yeah, you took it. You expropriated it. You took it away. You did not earn it or do anything else like that. It it was forcibly taken. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about the Global South all the time, and and we bring up reparations, and I I will harp on it. I will harp on it to the day I die, any chance I have. Think about socialism. Okay, I mean, we're talking about Marxism here, and some of the people are not that well into Marxism. But the symbol of socialism we think of is the hammer. And the sickle. Mm-hmm. And what that meant, the hammer was the working class, and the sickle was the peasants. It was the alliance of the working class and the peasants in the Soviet Union that allowed the Bolsheviks to win the revolution. The Bolsheviks, because the Bolsheviks sure as fuck wouldn't have been able to make that flag. No, they, they, would, the they would have been cooked in July. Yeah, way before the October well, Revolution. October. It, would, it would not have happened, okay? Um, you, you have to care about the classes that are even lower than you, yes. or not only will your revolution probably not work, because even the, the bourgeoisie liberal revolutions had to get the lower classes on board and just screw them over later. Uh, but you're going to have future revolutions to turn over and defeat you, and you won't create the just world that you expect. Yes. So you have to really care about your sickle. right? You And, and the, the Bolsheviks really cared about the peasants. They came in, they were a voice, they were a real part of things. Our, our sickle, and of course, I mean, there's some obvious portions of it, you know. There's the indigenous population here. We have to decolonize the United States, and that's a a bigger deal than than even some socialists realize. Um, We have, you know, obviously the black population, you know, we have immigrants, but... uh, 
the biggest thing is is our imperialism, the global yeah. South, the people that are destroyed in the name of imperialism. I mean, you just, I, I, I can't, I can't say that enough. I, I cannot say that enough. We have to care about the the global South. We always yeah. do. Um, no, but what I was saying there, though, is the global South, you know, it's that same kind of cycle, right? Oh, we gave them food. Oh, we gave them water. Well, we're the ones that destroyed the water sources and sucked out the natural resources and told them they couldn't trade because of, of uh, uh, blockades sanctions. And, and sanctions. Uh, destroyed their infrastructure by undermining their government and coups and then, you know, it, it completely undoing all these social infrastructures they had in place. You know, maybe bombed the most progressive city in the entire Middle East, to shit, you know, I mean, that. Oh, yeah, we're not. That yeah. kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's 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 robbing from someone to give a piece back. And he's saying wage labor is the same thing. It is. You know, he's he's robbing your entire value to pay that paycheck to you. And, 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 we've and, been and, look, like a, hard and look like a, you know, some today. sort of philanthropist when he does it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, look like the do-getter. Like, oh, I pay you $15 an hour instead of eight. I'm doing so good. Well, you're obviously making him more than that $15 mm-hmm. an hour, and he's giving you a pittance back. Yeah. Um, so then it says, if the additional capital employs the person who produced it, this producer must not only continue to augment the value of the original capital, but must buy back the fruits of his previous labor with more labor to him than they cost. When viewed as a transaction between the capitalist class and the working class, instead of the, you know, obviously individuals, it makes no difference that additional laborers are employed by the means of unpaid labor of the previous employed laborers. The capitalist may even convert the additional capital into a machine that throws the producers of the capital out of work, and that Places them by a few children. In every case, the working class creates the, by the surplus value of one year the capital destined to employ the additional labor the following year. And this is what is called creating capital out of capital. This is the M to M prime. This is how you do it. You are constantly working to make yourself obsolete in this system. Yeah. You are constantly, constantly, constantly... And, and some people who see obsolete. that at an individual level and know it and just can't work around it, it's not a good feeling for them, and they've nope. described it in different places. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I mean, usually you're just doing it as a whole. You know, I mean, I, I it's something I have to come to grips with as, as a computer programmer. You know, I, I avoid doing automation, and I certainly avoid going to, like, weapons industries on purpose, but I, I have to have a job at the end of the day. And even the stuff I do to help someone work a little better is 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 you know might make their job feel easier might make them come say thanks this makes a lot more sense it sucked before to me mm-hmm. but really what i'm doing is is helping up the rate of their their exploitation if i wasn't i wouldn't be employed you wouldn't be employed and if they weren't weren't you know doing that for everybody else with the, you know sheer competition or whatever their little division of labor is it you know so at some point there's there's a level where it's like too bad right like you, you can't feel comfortable with it but there's also there's no like no ethical consumption. No. There's no ethical employment either. And that's how this again. That's we're how this always works. at each this, other's knees. This is where it's the fun. It's the fun neoliberal you know gist of of we're going to sprint ever ever closer to this capitalist utopia that they super duper want. But we're going to put just enough checks on them to make sure that they don't blow it for everybody else. Because they would absolutely run the obsolescence into the ground. Very mm-hmm. They would absolutely exploit to the point that it wouldn't make any sense. But then you've got the, the, the no, 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 guys, we're going to put a couple checks on it so that you can't get there 
real quick. It's going to take you a while to really, really get there, which just drags this out and drags this out and drags this out, which is how you need to, why you need to identify it outside of their little game and yeah. then get to it. And, and not that's why pretend that be. these little checks are, are a solution. Exactly. God yeah. damn it. God damn it. We were so close to being on the state ref. God damn it. We were so close to state ref. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. People, are, I don't know if we, I know we mentioned it before, so uh, if you heard the chapter 12 Riff, uh, our next book will be State and Rev, and yes. Nathan's very sad that it's not yet. I'm already a chapter, and I have to stop. I don't want to stop. You don't have to stop. I'm, I have to stop. Ah. Otherwise, I'll just start screaming at my child, okay. and that's not good Okay, I would never discourage you from reading State and Rev. Well, I'm reading other stuff instead. Okay, okay. Uh, it says, the ownership of the past unpaid labor is thenceforth the sole condition of the appropriation of living unpaid labor on a constantly increasing scale. The more capital has accumulated, the more he's able to accumulate. The richer you are, the richer you get to be yeah. based on other people's work. Compound interest. Yes. It's a, it's a real thing, guys. It, it, it actually is real. Again, it's why the richest people in the world tend to like ramp up and then they get to this wide gap on everybody else. Because when you're rich, it's really easy to be rich and keep being rich over. You know, it's super hard in this country to stop being rich. Yeah, the, the easiest way to make money is to have, have money. money. End of day. And the easiest way to lose money is to not have money. It, it is just... just and it's expensive to be poor. It is. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how where we are in the lost B sides versus this point. So yeah. I'll just make it. But it's it's expensive to be poor. It it really is. If you don't have time to cook, you have to buy ready made food that that costs more. Your health care is going to go up because you're eating unhealthier food from that ready made food usually. Uh, if you don't get to live somewhere more expensive with conveniences, maybe now all of a sudden you have to travel farther through to a store. So you're adding travel expenses. Maybe if you're traveling farther and you're not in an urban population, uh, all of a sudden you don't have public transportation. So you have to supply your own transportation to go farther to a store. We talk about food deserts all the time and how people can monopolize you. It's more expensive to be poor. And you're doing a very good job of also, while you're having to drive further to go do the thing, now I get to also fucking ruin the planet that we are 10 years away from blowing up, and now I get that fun on weed and throw on top of everything else. It's, It's good, it's good. But, I mean, just everyday life. Just assume just, like, stipend everything out. You know, assume we did, uh, what's the, the plan where they're, they're like, say, gives a little bit of everything to everyone instead of disability and universal stuff. Universal basic income? Universal basic income. Um, you know, universal basic income, I, if you have the whole system going towards socialism, it's it's an okay first step. It's a I, step. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against that. No. But if you just throw it into capitalism, uh, there's a reason that, like, Silicon Valley's supporting it. Yeah. They've already admitted that, you know, I mean, if you don't have rent restrictions, they've already admitted They'll just jack up your rent. They'll say, oh, this will cause inflation. Well, it won't really cause inflation. No. They'll make it cause inflation so that they can feed off you like fucking vampires. And they're admitting it before it happens. They, they, it's... Uh, you know, I mean, you just... Because... And, and what you'll still happen is it'll be better for poor people in, until they jack everything up. But there'll, there'll be a point in time, and that'll be a very important point in time, where it'll be better for poor people. Because instead of having nothing, you'll have something to, you know, I mean, get overcharged on something else for. You can make decisions with, with that. You know, say, oh, maybe I'm going to skip the rent this month and, and live on the street, but I can buy a little more food living on the street. Uh, so I'm not, again, not against universal basic income. Is, I, I, all right. But, I want to I put a stop in there, then. Yeah. Because the more you say, the more you, the more you were saying that, the more that feels exactly like... I almost say I would be against it on the sheer fact of it would be a placating measure that would absolutely be subverted almost instantly, and it would do nothing but pacify 
an actual. It would be a that is their that is their break glass pull rip cord in case of revolution thing that they will do to keep from getting their heads cut off. Well, but it's not going to stop any. It's not going to change the underlying and, system in any way. And that's and that's why I would never. I would never just blanket support it as a solution. Yeah. But I'm not against it because all those placations, think about all the placations. Yeah. You know, think about what food stamps do. Think about what yeah. taking away the placations have done and why we call it this terrible neoliberalism. And neoliberalism is just liberalism. It, oh, yeah. But why why we don't like Reagan. You know, these placations also help us survive and we can't have a revolution if we're dead. Ah, so I'd off. be fine with it. I just, oh. I will never, ever, ever, ever support a single person, no matter how much they want to try to co-opt the word socialist, that ever thinks that UBI is any kind of a solution rather than a temporary measure that we force out of them that we can use as a first step. Because it feels very much like we're at a point right now with the the fun people with the blue waves and the pink vagina hats on their head, that if you came out tomorrow and gave us Medicare for All and UBI, would think we've hit socialist utopia and full stop right there. And no! No. No! No. But we want those things. We want those things! We want those things. But But no. No, absolutely not. Yeah, and so far down the road, it yeah. will be the Obama because they'll do that, and they'll put one slightly Democrat. They'll put Joe Biden in the White House when they do it, and then we will bomb Yemen into non-existence for another ten years, and just exploit everything. But be like, but we'll feel better now. And we calmed yeah. everyone down and made them stop thinking as much. Uh, yeah, I am very conflicted. I, I'm very conflicted. I, I, I agree, but here's here's the thing, and and this is the other part of reforms, right? Yeah. Um, reforms will be rolled back. Reforms will be worked around. Reforms leave the system in place. That's why we're not reformists. We're yep. Marxists. But reforms are hard to accomplish, and the likelihood of even getting, uh, you know, universal medical care, let alone even the, the half measure of it, of, yeah. of Medicare for all, which is yeah. already a, a compromise. Yeah. yeah, it's a half-ass compromise. The ACA was a compromise. Medicare for, is the next comp- Medicare for all is the next little compromise. They'll make it look like we can see it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're getting the Cuban health care system God, to get Medicare no. for all. Oh, God, no. uh, That said, you know, um, e- to even get that before it's walked back and ripped away later with austerity and worked around immediately... To even get that is is pretty hard, and oh, yeah. a lot of the missteps along the way should hopefully radicalize people as they get more and more frustrated, seeing how hard it is just to get that. And and I really think that's what happened. You know, I mean, you look back at like the seventies and stuff, and it's not like people just went, oh, you know, we we have the LBJ poverty measures, we're all good, thumbs up, everybody go. Yeah. That's not what happened at all. What happened was. Cointelpro was shockingly effective. McCarthyism, as it was being exposed as bullshit, was shockingly effective. And so we have to take those head on. We don't have to like go, oh my god, we're going to get a half measure and we're going to lose our, our edge, right? No, we're going to gain our edge trying to gain those half measures and going, oh yeah, these half measures are bullshit. We're going to get them in the process so we can survive and we're going to drive them to revolution. And we just have to be careful not to be upended by the next layer of McCarthyism or the next layer of Cointelpro. Intel Pro, which obviously happened. I mean, we, we, me and you talk all the time. Um, I'm sure it's lost in the recordings, and I don't know if we did record it, but we talk all the time about the mysterious deaths of young Black Lives Matter activists. Yeah! That's already another way it's, of CoinTel Pro. Coin-tel, uh, but we got to be prepared for it. Yeah. Again, it, it's just like capitalism. It just they'll, they'll, so they'll learn how they got busted and caught last time, and they'll find mm-hmm. ways to obfuscate more, put, put it a couple layers deeper, and make it harder to pick out the next time. That's all it... Water... Again, wa- look at Watergate. Yeah. Watergate was a great... It, it, what... What? It's a huge win to cover up Cointelpro. Watergate 
at the time was this radical thing that brought down a president, brought the country to its knees. Oh God, we shook our foundation of public officials. Donald Trump is like actively being convicted of like 80 times worse crimes than Nixon ever dreamed about other than the bombing of Cambodian Laos which are obviously like on a grand human scale the worst things you could have ever done oh yeah Nixon's, 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 I, I'll Nixon. say this right now and this is going to sound really crazy for people <laughs> that are not ready for this in the current time D- Trump can be worse than Nixon Trump is probably a shitty human person than Nixon Trump the presidency has been Bad. Bad. The Trump presidency has not been worse than Nixon's no, yet. Because, and that's not because of Watergate. No, no, no. No, but it's because Donald Trump doesn't have Henry Kissinger hanging around. <laughs> Until you find me a Kissinger, we're, this isn't going to well, get that bad. I mean, he's he's got... Uh, God damn it, Kissinger's still alive. I forget about that. No, no, no I know, I know, I know. And he's got Pompeo. But... <sighs> that just... Uh, I, he still hasn't caused... No. He's caused... He's, he's, he's well on his way. He's caused... He's working on it. Certain levels of death. Working on it. Uh, he hasn't caused... Cambodia and Vietnam he's genocide. He's doing a much better job of doing it domestically, gosh darn it, yes. and not going over and, and subjecting the global south to as much <laughs> bullshit as normal. So we've yeah. got that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't nice. say not as much as normal. Not as exaggeratedly ramped up yeah. as it was under Nixon. Yeah. And which is still to say ramped up under Obama, which was ramped up oh, from okay. Bush, which sounds dystopian as fuck when you realize what is under Bush. Which is ramped up yeah. under the other cool... Hey, yeah. it's all the way back. But his level of ramping up and his level of explicit genocide that, you know, Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia were uh, is, is not there to Nixon yet. So but yep, we'll yep, say that. Yep, yep. Uh, but that said, you know, you're right. I mean, Watergate was supposed to shake the foundation of everything, and all it did was take the Washington Post, this already huge right wing rag that was like the other New York Times as the major newspaper cheerleader of all things war and ruling yeah. class, and legitimize it as this subversive ruling class, and give everybody this idea that this like the media is this independent do gooder force, and took all the attention away from the actual scandals at the time. You know, um, like, I mean, COINTELPRO was one. There was another uh, military one about the testing on soldiers uh, by the Nazi scientists that they brought over in Operation Paperclip, Uh, some of the disease testing, some of the nuclear testing. There were scandals going on in courts there. They got buried under the story of Watergate because it's all about volume. People knew about those. They made the news through the 80s. In the early 80s, they were still making the news. But they didn't make the same kind of heavy volume headline news as Watergate. That's still seen as the ultimate bad of a president. The ultimate shame was Nixon's Watergate, which is pretty pathetic. Because it's not nearly the worst thing Nixon did. I was about to say, all things considered, it's such a dumb way to go down. To- yeah. Oh, it's so dumb. But I would never I would never worry about half measures. I would worry about anyone who thinks the half measures are a solution. Yes. And that's and where you need to... Particularly half measures that are endorsed by Silicon Valley. And this is why, again, when, when people get on... When people see, uh, again... Actual leftist, actual Marxist on Twitter, and it's constantly taking shots at people that are seen. It. We're taking we're taking shots at Bernie Sanders, taking shots at Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. And it's I like, well, why are you doing that? Yeah, they deserve to, it. Absolutely, because again, the the this is not anywhere close to the end. This is what they are. The view that they are supposed. If you gave them exactly what they asked for right now, mm-hmm. that would not fix it. No, and you need and make people, life a little nicer in the meantime. It would, but it wouldn't. But fix the it. fact of the matter is, is that people are holding that up as people are holding that up 
as an unattainable fantasy. And the fact of the matter is, is that is not even close. We need to push the Overton window so fucking hard to the left that it's not even funny. And I get it. I'm glad that Bernie is there and I'm glad that Cortez is there and that they're able to push that because they are functionally pushing the window left. Yeah, I mean, the Talks Senate to- had the vote and I don't know how, how effective it's going to wind up being, uh, especially since I'm sure the CAA isn't going to pull out of there. No. Uh, but yeah. the Senate at least had a vote with the majority to pull out of Yemen. Yes. And sure that, you know, Sanders is pretty shitty on foreign policy. Sanders is incredibly shitty on foreign policy. I mean, he'll sit there and bitch about, like, oh, the evil Assad and, and Maduro needs to go down, or whatever the, the, the line they tell him In vogue, liberal take of the time. Right. In vogue, liberal take of the time that's really right-wing more wandering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he'll he'll do all that. Uh, so he's not great on foreign policy. But him and Mike Lee, a Republican, and then some third guy, actually had the proposal in before the Khashoggi thing. They finally realized, like, oh my god, we should probably not genocide this country with, with Saudi Arabia. Super and, weird! And if you take America out of it, it ends. And they openly admitted that. Yeah. Uh, but they finally got a little backing when the Washington Post guy got d- dismembered by Saudi yeah. Arabia. Which well, eh, that's just so shit. Like, what are their little pundit class guys yeah. died and now all of a sudden it's not all the millions of people starving, yeah. but the pundit class say, guy not dies. Not the kids that we are actively genociding. But right. No. Not the bombed buses. Not the not the outbreaks of cholera at record level. But nonetheless, that said, you know, it's I important. mean, at, at least... The, at least he's moving the Overton window left and was one of the three to propose that. At least he brought the, the compromise of Medicare for all to being spoken about. You know, uh, Green New Deal is a decent. Oh. I, I know, but again, it needs to. We got you have to push that. I get it, but the same way that UBI is a uh, at the end Fair. of the day. Okay, you have to put. If we don't do that, at least as our base level, if we don't start talking about that as a realistic thing and not some fantasy. Then we're not. Then we're dead anyway. It doesn't matter. Fair, there's fair. A lot of fair, but to me, revolution is as realistic as those things. And that's again. That is a. That's obviously, I think the the end goal. But we've got to realize that we're on a spectrum, and that oh, it's going to be tough. We, yeah. It's going to be tough. And the more we can, the more we're fighting. I am perfectly happy fighting the left to get them more left than I am worried about, oh, fuck, are we actually going to go full fascist? Like, I would rather that be the fight I'm having than this other fight that we're having right now. Yeah. So, okay. we take our compromises where we can, again, but you, again, this is why, it's not that we're anarchists or that we want to burn it all down when we're taking pot shots no, these people. No, I'm certainly not anarchists. No! No, 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 no. But it is important to, it is important to know that that is, just because we're criticizing them from the left does not mean that we, that, that we think they're evil or that their policy is all are garbage. It just means that they're not advocating an actual solution and they need to be called on that because otherwise they just live in these little fun echo chambers where Nancy Pelosi's allowed to, Diane Feinstein's allowed to just keep existing yep. for the last 50 years yep. for whatever reason. And that, folks, has been a colloquial debate between David and Nathan that Holy completely sh- sidetracked Mark. Shit! Back yeah. to chapter 24. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we may do like chapter 12 and say we're cutting that and leave it in there. We may actually cut it. I don't know. It was a good debate, but I, mm, I, I don't know how useful that one is. Chapter 12 was no. really good. We'll see. Uh, so anyway, therefore, a consequence of the above conditions so far as each single transaction invariably conforms to the laws of exchange of commodities. The capital is buying labor power and the labor is selling it. We will assume its real value. Insofar as this is true, it is evident that laws of appropriation or of private property, laws that are based on the production and circulation of commodities, become by their own 
own inner and ex- inexorable dialectic changed into their very opposite. The exchange of equivalents of the original operation which we started now has come turned round in such a way that there's only an apparent exchange. This is owing to the fact, first, the capitalist which exchanged for labor power itself, but a portion of the product of others, labor is appropriate without an equivalent. And secondly, the capitalist must not be replaced by its producer, but replaced together with an added surplus. Now, this is exactly where I was tying Disney and um, now I can't think of the word. Uh, Nestle brain. brain. Intellectual the t- property. Intellectual property. Thank you. <laughs> God damn! I'm so I have so many brain farts with these words. Uh, intellectual property. You know, I was bringing up as as the like hyper ridiculous version of this. Uh, Marx is literally saying, you know, I mean, these laws that are protect private property. They advertise as you work, you earn this, so you get to keep this, and the laws will protect what you've earned. And it does the exact opposite of that. You know, and, and copyrights do the exact opposite of that. These laws to protect these private property are the very things that allow things to exploit you. Allow things you did not take home, you know, your goods, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, even the, the intellectual property ones. You know, maybe you can sell your copyright one time if you don't have the means of production to do it. The laws of private property kept you from having that means of production to do whatever you want to copyright. And now you got to sell your copyright for pennies on dollars. You get something out of it. And now all of a sudden, your intellectual property that you made, this company that already had the means of production was already richer from you and paid you a pittance for it, exploited you for your intellectual property. Now, because you use your intellectual property to exploit others, and you are not legally allowed to use your own brain's work. And trust me, I deal with that all the time as a programmer. That is exactly what I deal with. Yep. <laughs> you know, it is, it's, it's, it's nasty. Our artists deal with that. Uh, it, you know, I mean, just it's, it's, it's an incredibly nasty realization. Uh, he goes on a little lower. He says, The law of exchange requires equality only between the exchange values of commodities given in exchange for one another. From the very outset, this presupposes even a difference between their use values, and it has nothing whatever to do with their consumption, which only begins after the deal is closed and executed. He's going all the way back to the beginning, saying exchange value is different from use value. We don't care about the use value as long as there is one. In fact, we very specifically are saying we don't know what the use value is or care. We just want the exchange value to be equal. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, he goes on to the original coercion of money and the right of property, and he says, nonetheless, the result is that the product belongs to the capitalist and not the worker. That the value of this product includes, besides the value of capital advanced, a surplus value, which costs the worker labor, but the capitalist nothing, and which nonetheless becomes the legitimate property of the capitalist. And three, that the worker retained his labor power and can sell it anew if he can find a buyer. Those are the conversions of capital that legal private property laws allow. Again, Marx does not like private property. Uh, and, no. And let's be very clear with private property, because people think private property, I mean, we even have the science, private property, state out about personal property, about where someone lives. Uh, Personal property is what you use, and and you don't really need the word personal property. That's just something we've come up with to distinctify it from private property. There's property in general, and we'll say personal versus private, and then there's private property, which is property you can and do use to exploit other people. Yes, which is your factory or your apartment building that you are are renting out to people where all of that kind of fun stuff. Any property... All of that kind of stuff. So again, the all- dystopian hell world where your car is your personal property, but is a person who made an app's private property yeah. to exploit you if you're an yeah. Uber driver. Which holy fuck, holy I hate this world. Shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Uber is evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's that just for the purposes of union busting. 
awesome. Just yeah! Awesome uh, so we're going to move on to section two. It says, erroneous conception by political economy of the reproduction of in, on a, in, blah, 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 of reproduction on a progressively increasing scale. So this is another one of those, you know, I mean, the liberal economists are idiots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Marx loves those because he's yeah, right. Because they are. And because, yeah. <laughs> he loves emphasizing that we, because people need to know it. We haven't dunked on Ricardo enough in the last 20 minutes. Yeah, right. Uh, so Marx is going to go on about halfway through the first paragraph. He said, It was extremely important for the bourgeoisie economy to promulgate the doctrine that accumulation of capital is the first duty of every citizen, and to preach without ceasing that a man cannot accumulate if he eats up all his revenue, instead of spending a good part of the acquisition on additional productive laborers who bring in more than they cost. This is the entire myth of uh, abstinence in the system. And not abstinence in the not-fucking sense. Abstinence in the, well, Jeff Bezos is a good person, because he's not just buying these frivolous things. He's reinvesting in his company to make it better. Bullshit! Bullshit, 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 bullshit. They're doing it because they have to do it and because it's what allows them to make the most money. It is not charitable. It is not good. It is not nice. It is it is just purely to exploit and make more money. But you set it out as this virtue in the system because you have to, and then you praise them like, oh, the be- Jesus this, this whole section, and I'm glad you, you brought up the word abstinence, that you do remember, hey, yeah, uh, that is the word that Marx is specifically going to rip on this entire section, yes. is abstinence. Section two is Fuck this abstinence shit. Not in a teenage with a boner way. Yes, like... fuck that abstinence shit too, because that's, that's as much bullshit as the Virgin Marks are talking about. Your abstinence in general should go fuck itself. But we're talking abstinence, like like we just said, not spending money. You know, the the dwindling your money away. You know, the, the supposed, you know, lottery ticket winner that blew all his fortune. How can he do that? He's such an, you know, an idiot. And the capitalist is just this good, disciplined guy. And he, he saved and he pinched his pennies. And that's... That's the right thing to do, you know. I mean, it's 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 meritable to eat canned soup on the floor of your office and sleep under a desk for ten years until you ex- exploit two hundred people for a million dollars a day. You know, I mean, it's it's just yeah. Basically, the entire con- if you want if you want to sum up, hey, what is Marx talking about? Because this is a foreign concept to me. Go watch Mary Poppins, and you remember <laughs> that guy, the dad, and the bankers and the bank scenes, and how they were like psycho evil in that movie. Yeah, that's what Marx was talking about. Those people don't exist. They were not real people. They were evil. They were actual capitalists. They weren't doing good things. They yeah. were just keeping money from poor people. And Julie Andrews had to sing a song about it, damn it. Yeah, and they'll, and they'll flip this on to you, too. Because, again, they, they self-preach this virtue. They read this the, the Adam Smith. Or, or you know, what happens a lot of times in real life is they don't actually read this Adam Smith. No, so, no, one, no one who has spouses that they love Adam Smith actually fucking read Adam Smith. But somebody read Adam Smith, and then they, they regurgitate these ideas. And then it just becomes their kind of talk alongside with, uh, you know, all the libs are, are college-going crybaby socialists. Or whatever the hell words come out of you know Rush Limbaugh's mouth. Um, Is he still a thing? Have we not got rid of him yet? I think I think he's alive. I don't know. Maybe uh, Alex Jones. uh, What do you want? It's Sean Hannity now. Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. That's that's right. Ooh, Tucker Carlson. Tucker's good. Yeah. Tucker's good. Yeah. So anyway, whatever this is, whatever this is, and and liberals do this too. You know. Oh God. But it's this. You know. I mean, this idea that. If you just save, you'll be fine. You know, kids these days they don't save enough money. You need to be smart, and they'll give you these write these articles. Well, you know, to, to be for retirement, you need to be disciplined and save twenty percent of your income here, or ten percent and invest it in stocks. It's like people don't do this because 
not do this because they're idiots. We can't fucking afford it. But when you have enough money to afford it, it's this abstinence that makes the world go around just being responsible. And it's it's a bunch of bullshit. It's just making sure that you stay above the working class and you exploit the working class. And they will absolutely do it. They will work it into every system. They will work it into your religion. Look at Dave Ramsey. He's made an entire fucking career on merging this weird amalgamation of of shaming you for not apparently having enough money to save and also it's a good thing and then give it all back to your church because yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's turned it into this fucking conglomerate where he's absolutely not exploiting people. Uh-uh. No, no way possible there. Nope, nope. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Definitely not exploiting not people. Judge. judge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, it just it all goes around and around in circles. It's, it's, it's built into the system because again, it's another fun way. Guilt is a fun... Look, you're Catholic. Guilt's a great oh. way to get people to do things over yeah. giant generations. It's yeah. a super effective tool. Yeah, yeah. I deserve that. Ah, uh, no, nah, sorry. I have to take them where I can. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to move on down here to where it says, there can be no greater error than which Ricardo and all subsequent economists repeat after Adam Smith, vis-a-vis that the part of revenue of which it is said that has been added to the capital is consumed by productive laborers. According to all this, all surplus values changed to capital becomes variable capital. <laughs> So far from this as being the case of surplus value. Like the original capital divides itself into constant capital and variable capital and a means of production and labor power. This is kind of like that... and that's why I think I liked it more than you, uh, the Seniors Last Hour stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, sure. I mean, and Marx did, and, and I think maybe just because of my reading of Marx, I, I see that in a, bit, a little bit of everything. And that's what, you know, I mean, this is Adam Smith basically personifying Seniors Last Hour. And if I were to go back and redo Seniors Last Hour now, I might be a little bit more receptive. you got to remember, Seniors Last Hour was uh, was very heavily in the bullshit, boring part of this book. Then they, they <laughs> Again, you should be forced to read this book. If I have one piece of advice if you're trying to get through this book... Do it backwards. Just do it backwards. It's way more engaging that way. That's that's fair. Way more engaging. That's fair. Uh, so, well, I mean, do it backwards in, by section. Like, read a yeah. section, go back, read a section. Yeah. Go back. No, no, don't, don't go don't like read, 25 to 24 to 23 to 23. Don't but, be like a, don't but, do, but do some dyslexia la- nonsense. Don't read the words backwards until you get up some devil <laughs> chant. Like, no, just, just. But, but go backwards. There's what, eight sections? Yeah, eight Nine sections. sections. Eight sections. Read the eight sections backwards. I've never done that, but you know what? That makes sense. It, it would work. I, I, I could see that. As long as you're open to trusting Marx and having him show you how right he was later. You don't even have to. That's the cool thing about it. You For that game, don't even have to trust him because he makes his art instead of grounding it in the science and then taking it to the real world he just grounds it in the real world to start with and then backs it down to an irreducible science it's just a fun backwards way of doing his proof that's that's yeah it absolutely works let's do that let's do that let's (laughs) yeah i am now endorsing the new uh chop suey version what is that chop suey version of watching star wars or whatever they were oh jesus yeah we're two then four then back to seven then all the way back to one yeah yeah yeah. so that's 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 what we're gonna do with with marx yes we're gonna chop and screw this we're gonna marx the remix so don't don't ever ever let anyone tell you we're good at sound effects. God no, God no, no. The best sound effect we have is the intro and outro music, and, and someone found that for us. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, so he says Adam Smith, by a fundamentally perverted analysis, arrives at this absurd conclusion that even though each individual capitalist is, or each individual capital is divided into constant variable part, the capital of society resolves itself only in a variable capital. It is laid out exclusively in the payment of wages. God 
Fucking Adam. I just, I, I love perverted. I just imagine Adam Smith, the pervert, just with a weird mustache and <laughs> talking about economies and stuff. And, like and Marx that. is talking about how idiotic this is, but think about how much his argument's made today. Oh, yeah. You know, if we oh. raise your wages, we'll have to reach prices. It's no. the only way we can make stuff so affordable. No, you could also just cut into that fucking profit. Oh, yeah. You could also they just make it. less money. And it's just, it's inconceivable. I've gotten into so many arguments with people on Twitter about it. It's just the concept. Not only make less money, inconceivable. Re- re-enlist to do your growing capital less. Don't don't try to outgrow, but yeah. this system won't allow you to even think that. The concept, and it, it, when you start seeing it more and more, it starts getting scared because it is. The concept of, we have to grow year over year. We have to grow year over year. St- logically, doesn't make sense. No. It is such a self-defeating... That, that's boom. assuming there's no limit to anything ever. Yeah. And it's and again, you know that's not true. And, and no, but the system doesn't. So yeah. and you have to you have to convince yourself that it doesn't. And so it's it, guys, if every company that you work at all want to grow year over year, spoiler alert, someone's not growing. Yeah, and remember, I mean, these big booms. We we talked about the panic slash depression slash recessions, crises, crises. The crises of capital is a good way to put it in Marx. Uh, they're all depressions. They're all crises. So anyway. Uh, think about them, right? The system doesn't go to shit and stop working and capitalism is dead when these happen. It just keeps on a chugging. And what really happens is capitalism as a whole, remember, as a whole class, a whole system, grows, 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 all of a sudden it doesn't grow. And that's its problem. It's not that it's dead or that it's gone away and collapsed. And usually, it's just not growing. And usually it's only a specific... When you think of booms and busts in this economy, it's usually a specific sector of the economy. Yeah. It's not even the whole economy. It's the housing market, the the, the dot-com, the internet crisis, the savings... All of this stuff is all the a very isolated... Travel, party. that kind of thing, yeah. But it takes out a giant chunk of the working class. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is it's not the capitalists that are maybe some specific capitalists are hurt, but the capitalist class is fine. It's still growing its, its, its money. Mm-hmm. It'll just eat that that section, it's the working class. You have capitalists thrown down to the working class. That's that's a big hit growing us. You have a bunch of people thrown into unemployment, and that makes competition worse because remember it's the unemployed people that drive down your wages. Yep. Not not the unemployed people like this is no. your fault. Yes, but no. the fact yeah. that unemployment exists yes. that drives down your drives wages. Down wages. Because then they can replace you more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean that that always affects the working class. So you think of it as oh it all died because it stopped growing. You heard that's bad. You saw a bunch of people losing a job. It's a threat to you. But the fact of the matter is if you weren't in the working class, it wouldn't actually be a threat to you. You still take it as a threat to you because you don't want to be thrown into the working class. But it's not actually a threat to you. That's all a lie. The system doesn't collapse. It just stops growing for a minute until it can find a way to start expanding again. And that's a literal crisis of the system. Mm -hmm. Um, So then finally, we're going to go on to section three. Section three is the separation of surplus value into capital and revenue. The abstinence theory... Okay, so I got section two, section three a little mixed up. This is the abstinence theory specifically. So he says, in the last preceding chapter, we treated surplus value for the surplus product solely as a fund for supplying the individual consumption of the capitalist. In this chapter, we have so far treated it solely as a fund for accumulation. It is, however, neither one nor the other, but is both together. Okay, so, I mean, and we talked about that already, me and you, casually, because yeah. it's a simple concept. You can get it without going through the book, and we, we got it going through the book already. But, you know, a capitalist puts in, you know, they have their, their 100,000 pounds of 
of value, and they make 120,000 pounds of value. Well, they're going to take 110,000 of that and invest it for the next year, and they're going to take 10,000 of that and do it on themselves. It's a little bit of both, you know. Um, and he says the ratio of these parts determines the magnitude of accumulation. Uh, so he's saying, you know, I mean, this absence he's staying away from is not some do-gooder saving morality. It's him reinvesting more in exploitation. Yeah. Uh, so it says, f- I mean, even if you hoard it, if you just, like, save, technically, that's still spending it on yourself. Yes. Uh, so he says, fanatically bent on making value expand itself, he ruthlessly forces the human race to produce for production's sake. And we brought this, It's a, again, it's over and over. You are not producing to meet a need. Yeah. The system does not produce to meet some need. We have enough to meet. If we wanted to meet our needs, we are producing enough there. to do that. The whole it world. It is producing because if it stops producing, it dies. Capitalism is a giant shark. And it just, if it stops swimming, it, it will die. But not the whole system because it will just keep going over again. Yeah. So uh, he goes on a little, he says, Only as personified capital is the capitalist respectable. As <laughs> such, he shares the miser the passion for wealth as wealth. Yeah. But that which the miser is a mere idiosyncrasy is in the capitalist the effect of the social mechanism of which he is but one of the wheels. Doesn't matter good or bad, he's a cog in this machine every bit as much as you, and he is driven to be this capitalist. Hey, guys, guys, guys. For the next couple of pages here, uh, Marx is going to kind of, for a second, make it seem like this isn't their fault and that they're kind of subjected to the system too. Don't don't give in to that impulse. Don't you don't you feel bad for them? No, don't no. you feel bad for them because you're going to try for a second because it's going to sound like well now they're a cog in the machine so someone's exploiting them. No, 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 no. Yeah, he doesn't mean like that. He just he he means that there's no way for them to not be this. They are this by definition. So not like of the system they are not like create. Yeah, not like like not like the sand bad guy in Spider-Man 3 where he was just trying to <laughs> then just sudden, "Oh my god, how did I become the sand yeah. man and grip me in?" No, I mean, it, it's more like, uh, you know, I've decided to be this. I'm going to do this to people I don't care, but he doesn't really have a choice. He's driven to this by the system. It's yep. it's it's out of his control, but it's also what he's willing to do. Otherwise, he would just become a worker. You know, there's no capitals giving stuff away to become workers. That would be idiotic. Nobody does that. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, now, I'm going to take a second here, because about a paragraph down, there's a footnote. Oh, God. And I want to talk about this footnote. Is it? David likes this footnote. It's not It's not Luther, is it? Are we to Luther it's, already? It's, it's to Luther. Oh, son of a bitch. It's to All Luther. right, here we go. So we're going to talk about usury. We're going to talk about usury. And uh, note 20, uh, footnote 20, and uh Capital volume or uh, chapter twenty four is saying taking the usurer that old fashioned but ever renewed specimen of the capitalist for his text, Luther shows very adaptly that the love of power is in an element the desire to get rich and starts quoting Luther the heathen were able uh, the heathen were able by the light of reason to conclude that a usurer is a double dyed thief and murderer we Christians however hold them in no such honor that we fairly worship them for the sake of their their money. Whoever eats up, robs, and steals the nourishment of another, that man commits a great of a murder so far as in him lies, as he who starves a man, or utterly undoes him. Such as does the usurer, and sits on the while safe on his stool, when he ought to rather be hanging in the gallows, and be eaten by as many ravens as he has stolen gilders. If it only were so much as the flesh on him, that so many ravens could stick their beaks in it and share it. Meanwhile he hang in the small thieves. Little thieves are put in the stock. The greatest thieves go flaunting in 
gold and silk. Therefore, it is on earth no greater enemy of man after the devil than of great money and usurer, for he wants to be God over all men. Turks, soldiers, and tyrants. Yeah, I mean, Luther, so sorry about the Turks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, are also bad men, yet must let people live and confess that they are bad. And enemies do nay, must now show some pity. But a usurer and a money glutton, such as one would have the whole world perish of hunger and thirst, misery and want, so far as in him lies that he may have it all to himself, and everyone may receive from him as from God, and be his serf forever. To wear fine cloaks, golden chains, rings, to wipe his mouth, to be deemed and taken for a worthy, pious man. Usury is a great, huge monster, like a werewolf who lays waste, all the more important, and a cacus, garion, or antus, and yet decks himself out and would be thought of pious, so that people may not see what uh, may not see where the oxen have gone, that he drags backwards into his den. But Hercules shall bear the cry of the oxen and his prisoners, shall seek the Cacus even in the cliffs among the rocks, and shall set the oxen loose again from the villain. For Cacus means the villain is a pious usurer, and steals, robs, eats everything, and will not own that he has done, and thinks no one will find him out, because the oxen drawn backwards into his den make it seem from their footprints that they have been let out. <laughs> I love that for that. Oh. So the user would deceive the world as though he used gave the world oxen, which he however rends and eats alone. And since we break on the wheel and behead highwaymen, murderers, and housebreakers, how much more ought we break the wheel and kill, hunt down, curse, and behead all usurers. Now, other than the weird Turks detail, which is gross as shit, I completely agree with Luther. <laughs> We can also extrapolate that a billion ways. Um, you know, I don't know how many times that we let the people that are the biggest killers uh, be the stoppers of murder. I don't know how many times we let the people that are... I should say not the biggest. The people killing a thousand people a year. Uh, the people that are the biggest domestic abusers be who have to go to, to to file complaints of domestic abuse. The people who are the richest uh, are the ones that are, are told to have the pious lifestyle. Like you know Warren Buffett lives in such a small, simple little house. Uh, you know the people that are that are classy, right? <laughs> I mean, even that word just means is wealthy-ish. Yeah. But we take it as as good as as Luther says, pious. You know the people that are rich. Or the, the people we fought upon, those are our heroes. Uh, you know, we'll blindly defend the athletes and celebrities and the wealthy. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's all of society. Um, so, you know, Luther's specifically talking about users, and he makes some points. You know, he says, hey, you, you go out and you sit there and you kill a man, and you're considered a murderer. But if he starves to death so that you can get richer, whatever. No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. <laughs> Even though you're killing a bunch more people. Man, it's almost like you could say that about capitalism. Mm. Almost. God damn. Yeah. No, uh, that's a point I I make a lot. You know, I mean, it's if if we're starving 10,000 people, you know, a year uh, or making, you know, thousands of people a year die from lack of health care, your government, our system is murderous. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, these we should look at these uh, health health insurance companies. Oh, these are the providers of healthcare or the, the private hospitals that are employing the doctors and nurses and keeping us from having public hospitals with their lobbying that, that keep people out of healthcare that kills them. They're they're murderers. And we don't think of them as killers. No. 
we don't, th- you know, I mean, we're, we're essentially, and in, in, I talk, and we'll talk more about revolution being a process. You know, you don't wake up and go, okay, today is revolution day. At the end of the day, ha ha, we did it. Or, oh no, we didn't. And that's it. Circled on the calendar, guys. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a huge, you know, process of years and years and years of education and action and breaking things down and strategy and understanding what you're going to do after things are turned over. And then when the power is turned over, you know, setting up a new society it, before and after a turnover of power, revolution is a huge, enormous process. And whether you want to be in or not, we're in the war process of that revolution before we ever choose to enter into it because we are already taking on casualties. We are always taking on casualties as a working class. And it's the ruling class that doesn't take them on. And that doesn't mean go out and find the richest guy you can and pop him in the head. We'll get into, you know, organized labor and and, 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 and actions that do nothing and, and things like that. You know, it's not suddenly moral just to, to, to kill some random dude with no goal in mind, but just picking a random rich guy and, and kill him just because he's rich. Uh, but, you know, we have to understand that we're in a fight. Yep. And we're already in the fight, whether we want to be in the fight or not. And we're literally dying in this fight. So, you know, I mean, before you go and like, oh, these manners, oh my God, don't disturb these people's dinners. Oh my Jesus and Christ. oh my God, these people have families. Well, you have families too, and you're dying. Yeah, no, this, that, you know. And, and every one of them made an active choice to be in the position mm-hmm. they're in. And that. Uh, I'm also going to explain users again, because I think we did an early chapter, but just in case we didn't, uh, the idea of a loan. Loan. Right. I mean, so you have someone needs ten grand. You have ten grand. I'm going to give you this ten grand. You're going to pay me the ten grand back, and you're going to pay me back interest. Yes. Now, usury is someone who charges that interest, and not necessarily interest bearing. I mean, it's it's not a, a static of all societies that inflation exists. Yeah. But like, say in this society, we know there's going to be inflation. Okay. If you were charging them interest just to keep up with inflation, so you're essentially getting your exact money back. That's not really usury. No. Usury is like also inflation. exists because no one would do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Because if you're not making money, why would you loan someone money? Exactly. Why would you Out, outside money? of the goodness of your heart, which usurers are not, but they'll tell you, you know, no. we're, we're, we give you this opportunity. We're giving you this loan. Think, you know, I mean, I don't know how many bank commercials are, you know, start your business, start this today, get your car. We're providing you this. And, and they're not. They're just sucking money off you and a, a complete new way of exploitation that's been around before capitalism. You know, I mean, usury is, is a dark, dark horse. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, let's say inflation went up 5%, and you have a 20-year loan, and it either has a 5% compound interest or it has a 20% flat interest, or what is it, simple interest, yeah. um, you know, something like that, right, where it's more interest uh, than what inflation would happen. That way, not only do they make sure they say they have inflation, but more importantly, they make money off you. That's usury, that, that money they make off interest. And used to be in the Christian church, that wasn't allowed until like the 16th century, but it was already being done by powerful people that had ties into the church, so the church just they kind of got rid of that rule. And that was very close to when Martin Luther did the Reformation. And uh, he was obviously a very open man, a very well-intentioned man. Uh, whether you think he was a good man or a bad man or a good man with flaws or, or whatever, uh, one thing is very, very clear. He clearly saw some of the problems in feudalism. He tied them directly to church because he was a Catholic priest. And one of those big, big drivers of his was usury. Mm-hmm. And that was that was his little rift, and Marx decided it was worth citing, or at which, least Engels did, which makes one hundred percent sense. Because yeah. again, this is the group of people that will stand up and defend this to the hilt are the same group of people that will say that by human nature socialism won't work, and we can't do that because people are selfish. And it's an it, it's a not it's a never ending just <laughs> contradiction of itself. It is it you you they it, it, you want it every single way. You want it both ways. And again, it, it does not make. 
It's why these systems cannot be privatized. It is the purest distillation. If you want to see, because again, when you talk about Marx, well, how does my money make, how does capital make more capital? How do I make more money out of my money out of my money? Usury is the purest, most, it literally is broken down to a number. How do I make more money? I charged you more money for your money. Yeah. For money. I turned the money and I turned it into more money. How did you get, why did you get the right to do that? Because I had money. How did you get the money? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so usury is capitalism with a veil off. Yep. Without you making, I mean, you're doing the work for it because you're earning your money to pay these loans back, but it's capitalism with a veil off, right? You're doing this, this, you know, paying to this person of money, you get to make more money by having money, on the merit of having money. money. And again, there's no ri- there, there, what risk is there again. You're going to go take, it just depends on how, how far back do you take it. Do you go break their kneecaps to get your money back, or do you go you know, take, them to foreclo- take them to court and get your money back? I mean, no matter what, you're going to get your money back. There is no risk. There's not. There, you're not taking risk in that kind of a system. And, and it's very much a violence. I mean, we talked about people think of violence as like punching someone in the face or shooting someone, and starving someone out is not violence. Every transaction of usury is violence because there's at least the threat of violence causing you to submit to someone. Yes. Right? I mean, the, maybe you're worried about them breaking your kneecaps or maybe they're worried about them foreclosing on taking you and, your house. and taking your house or you know taking your car, or you're going to wind up starving. There's and, and those are those are violent threats. That just that threat is a form of violence. Mm-hmm. Much much more than say you getting into a fight with some dude and punching him in the face because he's threatening you, you know? I mean, that's and yet people think of the second one as violence and not the first. Yes. You know, I mean, we need to understand the difference between violence and force. Um, we'll go back to Marx uh, in the chapter here. He's going to say, well, the capitalist of the classical type brands individual consumption as a sin against his function. You know, I mean, extra- <laughs> this is the abstinence thing. Yeah. The extravagant millionaire, not the yeah. not the well-rounded, you know, buttoned-up, nice spender. Yeah, if and, you spend your money, that's a, that's a flaw in your character, and the more you can invest right. it. Right, but if you reinvest it in your business, you're just you're, that's you're somehow abstinent. That is somehow a noble a noble act of something. Yes. It's bullshit. Yes, it's, it's, it's mitigating Pleasure for the responsible choice. Which of, back and again, the there was, there's a very interest. real, there's a very real argument because that to us now seems just laughable. Because again, you hear you hear someone say, "Well, Jeff Bezos is reinvesting everything back in the business. He's not making a, pro- they're not making a profit off Amazon. Re- the the guy owns a spaceship." <laughs> he owns a spaceship that he owns a rocket ship. He he negotiates with governments as a government. He you, even though he's you, a company. you think that he's not consuming on a lo- guys that wake the fuck up. But that that's the veil has been so far ripped off. In Marx's time, there was actually and a little bit before Marx's time, even when they were making these arguments, this was a real thing in the community that people actually thought that oh no no Johnny's not spending it. He's reinvesting it. He's putting it back into the business. So he's not you didn't see the end result. You didn't have what we have now as the luxury of generations of this building off of itself and you see how bullshit it is. This was a legitimate argument that people made that we now think is stupid. So, oh God, how much further is this going to go before we realize the whole thing is stupid? But uh, yeah, okay. But the progress of capitalist production not only creates a world of delights, it lays open in speculation in the credit system a thousand sources of sudden enrichment. When a certain stage of development has been reached, a conventional degree of prodigality being being prodigal, like yeah. Yeah, um, which is an exhibition of wealth and conquestly a source of credit, becomes a business necessity of the unfortunate capitalist. Quote, unquote, unfortunate. I love snarky marks. Uh, luxury enters into capital's expenses of rep- 
of representation. Moreover, the capitalist gets rich, not like the miser in proportion to his personal labor and restricted consumption, but at the same rate he squeezes out of the labor power of others and enforces the labor's abstinence from all of life's enjoyments. And remember, Marx doesn't really think that there's too many misers existing. No, I mean, that's, Marx this is a false character. Yeah, Marx believes that misers is, is, is an arm, like a myth, like a boogeyman that you tell people about. He doesn't yeah. think Scrooge McDuck does not actually exist. Right. There is no one that is just sitting on their money under their bed and not use like that person doesn't exist in this. No, and if the they do, they are the, one- are the capitalists. If they do, they're a one-off in the same way that the pull myself up by the bootstraps is a one-off. It yeah. means nothing about the system. It's indicative of nothing. Right. Uh, and so he finishes the paragraph and says, But along with this growth, there's the same time developed in his breast a Faustian conflict between the passion for accumulation and the desire for enjoyment. What will he do? He's tearing himself apart. This poor capitalist. Yeah. The concept that you're, oh no, I want to consume, but I can't. I have to reproduce. I can't. Oh, woe is me. I can't be richy rich. I have to reinvest in my business. Poor me. I guess I'll only get three Lamborghinis Yeah, this because month. at a certain point, it's just the, the level that that hits becomes obscene. Yeah. It, it, I mean, obscene, I can't think of a better word than obscene. And it, it's, we talk about that, you see it at a certain point, and it just becomes very obvious. They, I think, uh, really, we reference them a lot, but we should, because they're amazing, in a lot of stuff. Uh, Citations Needed did a very good episode on philanthropy in this country, and the myth of philanthropy, and what it's all kind of based around. And when they, when they when you dig into it, the we- fact of the matter is, is it is it is hard. People, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, all these people, they could try to divest themselves of their money. They could try actively to give away their money through these programs and these charities that they want. Because of the amount of money they have and the way our system is structured, intentionally structured, the way it is, the more they try and give away, they will still keep accumulating at a rate that they cannot give it away. They mm-hmm. will just keep making more because they, the, by the sheer nature that they have it. Well, and anytime they give it away, they, like the Gates Foundation, it becomes a threat of giving it away to someone else, and they get power. They get what the money's really for. And they, and, but again, even if you t- take out all of that social capital, all of that other stuff, they literally can't give it away fast enough that they will be poor. This concept, well, we will we'll give it away down to 90%. That giving away of the 90% will still leave them with enough of a 10% that will grow indefinitely that they will always, always, no matter what, be in that uber-rich category. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's like those articles you see, like, oh, uh, you know, let's, let's name some celebrity. Say Ashton Kutcher and... Uh, no, let's, some, say, somebody... let's say what's her fuck. It was Miley Cyrus and, and the Hemsworth guy that's that, it. That's that were, that were going to give $50,000 or $500,000, I can't remember the zero number there, to rebuild after that wildfires in California. And people right. acted and the like... Field it's, it's like, it's 0.2% of their... their it, 0.2% of their network. It's the equivalent of you or me donating 1950 to go rebuild the, the, the county park bench. Only the county park bench is only usable by uber rich because they're only rebuilding Malibu. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> Malibu. Are you kidding me? Yes. And so people are like, you, if you want to be against this story, you're just, I don't know what's wrong. You're, no. Because it's bullshit. It's absolute total horseshit. On top of that, on top of that, that 1950 you'd be giving away mm-hmm. would mean a lot more to you. It, that's oh, you yeah. giving up a meal. Oh, that's yeah. you That's you balancing a bill a little different. That's you getting one less new pair of jeans as they wear down. For for Miley Cyrus and the Hemsworth guy, that's fucking nothing. It's what not, were they going to do with that? What were they going to do with that 50, 500 grand, whatever? It's literally... And that's, yeah. the, and, and that's, again, it's a thing that they will use again. So, again, 
This when Mark says, but it's a bigger number. So they're doing so much good in the world that you're not doing. Look at all this, 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 this good they're doing, and it's fucking nothing to them. They don't care. When Marx talks about the oh the Faustian dilemma within the cat, oh do I consume or do I spend? We we think of that, and it's almost it's quaint now because we're like, well, they don't have to make that compromise anymore. It doesn't exist. We and that's the problem. (laughs) We we. I, I'm gonna have to do this. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna have to do this. Oh God! Uh, we we cited Martha, Martin Luther in a oh. footnote. Oh God! Uh, we we got on me for being oh so Catholic. Oh dear! I'm gonna cite a, a, a parable. From oh Bible. goody! Okay. Welcome so, to sermon time. Boys. Sermon time. Sermon time. There is a, a a story in the Bible about Jesus being in the back of church. Is it when he flipped the table? Is this the Jesus flipped the table no, story? No, God no. damn it! He's in the back of church and he sees a bunch of people put large sums of money into the tithing. Yeah. Right. And then he sees a poor woman put two little pence, like a minute amount from everybody else. And Jesus looked at the apostles and said, look at that. That woman has given more than all of these men combined. For she had to sacrifice to give that, and none of them did. Yeah. And it's very... It is very, very true, and it's a tactic that the ruling class uses against you. It's a tactic that they use to make them feel better than you, to make you feel little, yeah. to make you feel powerless. We donated this library to the school. Look look at what we did, and it's fucking nothing it to them. It takes nothing. It takes no effort. It takes no skill. It is literally the... And o- you certainly... I mean, it's not like we don't want that stuff like the library, so you're subject to, like, sucking up. All Exa- the exactly, because then you're either ungrateful if you don't want it, or if you call them on it, it's it's... It's seen as some sort. Of, it's it's not. It, they yeah, would you rather have them not do it? You know, yeah. Percentages. You need to look at what percent. What does that mean in your dollars? What does that mean to you? And you're going to start realizing that it's fucking pocket change. It's fucking yes. the shit that you clean out of your car tire when I want to go get a McDouble and I go clean out my car because I forgot my wallet. I go clean out my looking for coins. That's oh oh. I should gift a hospital. Okay, yeah. let's do that. And then it all comes with all the perks. When I get my McDouble, I don't get all you know all of this perks that come with it. I just get to feel fat and awful for a little while. And it's another good reason for this Marxist analysis because if you look at it even that way, that's realistic. That's right, right? That we're talking this this kind of tough in between. But then all you get is that they have it and it's nothing to them, and that you don't have it, and so your little bit is, is more sacrifice. If it's just left at that, someone come and go, oh, well, you're just jealous or whatever. When you get this Marxist analysis, you kind of realize that this ruling class only has that extra yeah. that they can sacrifice, and you can't while you're trying to skid by and while there's people with needs, yeah. because they're only rich at your and these people with needs suffering. And so it's just like we talked about with the, the paychecks, where you're making $120 worth of value, and you're getting 40 back later, and so they're really taking your 120 and just giving you a pittance of it. And it's just been like diluted through so many layers, right? Um, when they give this this library back to the school, when they give this rebuilding back to the houses, when they donate this park, or, or whatever they do, you know, um, they got that by taking it away from us as a class and giving it back, you know, to a pittance as a class. Yes. But it, there's this uh, plausible deniability because it's it's trimmed up in these layers where if you don't see it as a clash, see it as one guy, and, and maybe, I mean, that guy, again, only has it because they're exploiting people like, say, Gates, but maybe it's like a movie star, and you can't go, well, that movie star went out and exploited this poor black neighborhood in Chicago personally. Well, no, he didn't. No. <laughs> you know, and he gave the school back. Okay, that's great. You know, but he, that only happens as a class because the ruling class took it from us as a class. Look at and we just want to end that system. And as long as we're praising that donation, however genuine or good it may be in an individual level for that guy, ignoring the social capital, as long as we praise that, we're we're saying, we're reinforcing 
that this split should exist is just. And we live in the in one of the greatest examples. We both live within spinning distance of St. Louis. Yeah, St. Louis is a great example of 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 really rich people doing things that are objectively good for the community. The fact that our entire down that our our the Forest Park in yeah. general and and the botanical gardens and all of these things Art are, museum and, are yeah. free to the public are things that that are are, zoo. are, are, are ex- oh, the zoo is a huge one but again the zoo the art museum the 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 history museum the, the botanical gardens these things that were gifted to and said they have to remain free to the public which again they'll find their little ways to make their money still oh yeah they'll, they'll charge you like you know they, seven dollars for a pretzel but theoretically you could walk in there and enjoy and, and, and enjoy and it for use, free use yeah. facilities for completely free that's still all. You, you got to go back to the root of that and say, well, 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 why? Who had the right? When did they get the right to appropriate that much stuff? And what did it cost them to do that? Yeah, and then you got to realize in socialist societies that shit's free anyway, exactly. and it's free everywhere. Yeah. And while I, I certainly think like you know the zoo and the, the art museum and well, I, art museum does steal a lot of artifacts from. Yeah, no, no, so. art museum is very, very, uh, very. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the zoo and then maybe the, the you know. Uh, Muni and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, to me, that that's useful society, but you can make sure it's useful because maybe there's some more useful stuff like, I don't know, food, housing, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, better education. At, you look at things that come up within the, you know, people that switch roles and really prominent people that switch roles that, that go from one end of this system to the other because, again, you need those feel-good stories. Yeah. Really, 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 and again, this could probably get cut, but it's interesting to me at some level. Um, Kanye West... Ooh, okay. Kanye West is a very, <laughs> very, very clear example of uh, of what this system does and how it perpetuates itself. And I think he's the best example of it because I'm pretty sure Kanye West is an idiot. Um, okay. In a lot of different ways, he is a savant when it comes to uh, uh, to making a particular kind of music. And and gosh darn it, my dark, beautiful, twisted fantasy is a masterpiece of an album, and I will go to my grave with that. It's brilliant work. Yeah. Okay. But as someone that was completely, Kanye West went from a a, a objectively poor background, and 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 without. Again, and, and hip hop is a very good avenue for for watching people wildly shift from people going from really just listen really to Juicy by Biggie, by the way. Exactly, uh, <laughs> uh, athletes are again in, in a similar position. Yeah. You see a lot of athletes. Not always. There's some schools that there are. Well, not always in music too. There's no, the creative and, and that's the thing. There's there's differences in everything. But you there's, can, there's, but you can there's, see, there's a Bruno Mars for you know every one of these other guys. Exactly. But you can see very clearly in athlete you know people that come up from from Marshawn Lynch's and stuff. Exactly. That that come up and actually can do it. But but Kanye has been really interesting the last couple years because you've seen him go and he's just very blo- it's almost like Trump which is probably why he gets along with Trump so well it seems like in that it just is pure word vomit of everything he doesn't hide it he's not really I don't think smart enough to, to code, code it in anything he's just like no I like these guys. no no I got money no they're cool I got money they, they're, they're they think like me I do the thing where I need the money and they've got the money and he's surrounded himself with a bunch of people that have had money forever because yeah. he is embedded in that fun Kardashian clan of, of nonsense. Yeah, yeah, he didn't just happen to fall for a Kardashian like some kind of princess Disney story. No, no, it's like he's completely engulfed himself in that culture. And so you watch it and it, it again, someone going I mean, uh, uh, his, his, and, and rivals are his closest friends, his rival being Taylor Swift and, and, and since we called him an idiot I would say Kanye's also smarter than Taylor Swift since some of that kind of comes up in some racial things. And, and Kanye West may be like an Andy Kaufman Fight. level genius I don't sure. know. If this is all performance art 
he's a genius, but I I do think he might be an idiot. I do think that's, he's that's probably fair. genuinely an idiot. That, that's fair. But watching his analysis of, of... The system is intoxicating in a certain way. You don't... If you get into it, you do not... You will not give it up under any circumstances. Who's, the guy, that, who's the guy that wrote the social contract? John Locke? John Locke. Or no. Social contract was no. Rousseau. Oh, no, that's it. Yeah, Rousseau. Rousseau. Okay. Very, so, oh, yeah, no. Rousseau is the best example of Rousseau's selling out to the system. Rousseau's a better example of selling out than Kanye ever will be. Well, yeah, but that's the current events, man. Okay, I'm trying. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so you read the social contract, which is Rousseau yes. selling out. And then what was the one he wrote like seven years before that when uh, he was actually poor? Christ. And uh, it's ma- State of Nature, remember, man, or... Something like oh, that, like a nature something. of man. Yeah, it's, yeah. And it's basically like the opposite of it. It just doesn't quite come to a conclusion. And so, what? Read those two Rousseau works, and you'll see what selling out is. Yeah, and and and, and Rousseau was also a horrible person. Like abandoned his kids just to oh, go yeah. off and live in the woods, and also and he was a bad person. Um, but again, it just again, yeah. Uh, social contract, romanticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about. That's about it. Notable idea. No one cares about that. He influenced Kant. He can go fuck himself. Fuck Kant. <laughs> fuck Kant. Fuck. Influenced. Oh, wow. Okay. You want to know why Wikipedia is kind of d- just garbage? Yeah. People that John that John Jacques Rousseau influenced. Kant, the French Revolution, the American Revolution, Robespierre, Saint-Jouis, the Counter-Enlightenment, Romanticism, Hume, Payne, Smith, Wollstonecraft, Marx, Engels. What? Marx, Engels. Uh Okay, um, that's... Marx and Ingalls. I mean, influenced is, is a way of saying stuff, I guess. I mean, uh, is it Hearst, the guy that used to own all the yellow journalists? Yes, stuff? Yeah, well, the Hearst. guy that Citizen Kane's based on? Yeah, the Citizen Kane's based on. Uh, he was an explicit fascist, like an open door, like more of an explicit fascist um, anti-Semite uh, than Ford. Didn't he help Ford. start the Spanish-American War? Like, Wasn't that like his whole jam? He really that, wanted that to start might... a war and decided to? God, I, I think so. I have to look back. Uh, I mean, just explicit warmongering fascist. Um, and if you go to his Wikipedia page, the first thing it says is he's left-leaning politically. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, I shit you not. Fuck yourself. I shit you not. It's like you. It's like going to, uh, to, to Wikipedia and, and, like, you know, Benito Mussolini, like, <laughs> left-leaning Italian, you know, it's it's bad. Oh, my God. Yep, uh-huh. Yep, go fuck. Uh, everyone dies. Everyone, nope, burn it all down. <laughs> burn it all down, guys. Wikipedia is yep. bad, folks. Wikipedia is bad. Wikipedia is bad. Oh, I forgot he was a member of the House of Representatives. Yep, 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 yep. yep. yeah. You just buy whatever you want. You just buy whatever you want. <laughs> so back to Marx. Uh, oh, God, are we not done? Holy <laughs> shit, we are off the fucking rails, people. If the classical economy, the proletariat is but a machine for the production of surplus value. On the other hand, the capitalist, in its eyes, is only a machine for the conversion of surplus value into additional capital. The political economy takes the historical function of the capitalist in bitter earnest. In order to charm out his bosom the awful conflict between the desire for enjoyment and the chase after riches, Malthus, about the year 1820, advocated a division of labor which assigns the capitalist to actually engaging in the production, the business of accumulating, and the other shares in the surplus value to the landlords, the placemen, the beneficed clergy, and the business of spending. I mean, I, you know, Malthus even, like, divided it up because the capitalist is supposed to abstain yeah. and the other ones are supposed to enjoy. But there's also supposed to be, in Malthus's fucking construction, this, like, flamboyant consuming class that's only job is, like, to go out and have, like, vomitorium level excess. Like, it's just, it's so fucking Caligula dumb. over it's and over serious, and over. It, literally, just living Caligula over and over. It's like, <laughs> really? Really? You couldn't do it? And he couldn't. And the thing was, is when Malthus said that, he's like, he couldn't conceive of any other way it could be. 
Like, he's like, well, there's going to be a working class, and you got to keep them just poor enough not to die, and then there'll be the capitalist class of states, and then I guess the only other way to balance it is to have these psycho guys that are just gilding their penises and doing all sorts of other weird stuff. There couldn't be any other... You couldn't give it to the workers. That would be nonsense. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have these crazy priests that are just able to indulge at Bacchanalian-level just excesses. Let's go for that. <laughs> and the last thing I'll read out of section three is, is namely, from those who pl- ply the industry of appropriating the fruits of others in the industry. All the conditions for carrying the labor process are suddenly converted into so many acts of abstinence on the part of the capitalist. If the corn is not all eaten, but part is also sown, abstinence of the capitalist. If the wine gets time to mature, abstinence of the capitalist. The capitalist robs his own self whenever he lends the instruments of production to the laborer. That is, whenever incorporating the labor power with them, he uses them to extract surplus value out of the labor instead of eating them up. Steam engines, cotton, railways, manure, horses, and the all are as a vulgar economistly vulgar economist childishly puts it instead of dissipating their value and luxuries and other articles consumption how the capitalists as a class are to perform that feat is a secret that the vulgar economy has hitherto abstainly refused to divulge enough that the world still jogs on solely through the self-chastisement of the modern uh, penitent of Vishnu the capitalist not only accumulation but the simple conservation of capital requires a constant effort to resist the temptation of consuming it the simple dictates humanity therefore plainly enjoin the release of the capitalist from its martyrdom and temptation in the same way that the Gregorian slaveholder was lately delivered by the abolition of slavery or Georgian slaveholder I'm sorry I've misread that was lately delivered by the abolition of slavery from the painful dilemma whether to squander the surplus product lashed out of his I'm not going to say that word entirely in champagne or whether to reconvert it as part into more again not going to say that word and more land yeah, yeah. The the whole concept that uh, getting rid of slavery was a boon for the slaveholder, and they they they're they're thankful for it. Is... Yeah, you solved this point because we didn't know what to do. We had to make this horrible decision: should we should we whip them more and 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 buy more slaves, or should we get to enjoy it on their backs? What what will we do? Uh, I, I mean, that was snarky marks at his goddamn snarky. It's like letting the wine age. That's abstinence. Yeah. I loved it. I love that so you know. I mean, so much, but. The the fact of the matter is 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 you know there's this idea and Marx kind of points it out. They can't explain if this is just to make the system work out of the goodness of their hearts. They're abstaining. They're doing good just to keep us all employed, to keep everything from falling apart. They're dragging society along. What disciplines them? What keeps like just one of them from going? You know what? I should indulge, and then making it all go to crap. Like, why are all these people just locked into? Like, do they get a guideline? Is there like some officer of capital? Like, you have to abstain and and, and get richer. You know, I mean, I, there's got to be some guiding principle, something to tempt them into it. You know, Marx is showing, like by definition, they have to be getting wealthier by exploiting people. Otherwise, what would make them do abstain? It. What would make them? Yeah, if this is great abstinence, what's making them abstain? Is there just this class of people? that have the goodness in their hearts and they all happen to be the ones that own the property? <laughs> That's absurd. It, at, at the highest level, it is absurd. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to go on to section four. It's the circumstances that independently of the proportional division of surplus value into capital and revenue determine the amount of accumulation, degree of exploitation of labor power, productivity of labor power, growing difference in amount between capital employed and capital consumed, and magnitude of capital advanced. Uh, that was a long-ass title, but <laughs> he's basically saying, let's examine like all the all the rates things go. Yeah. Okay, uh, This is the last section we're going to read out of. There's a sh- very short section five after that. Uh, I, we'll be able to go past 
it a little bit. Um, in this chapter on the production of surplus value, it was constantly presupposed that wages are at least equal to the value of the labor power. Forcible reductions of wages below its value plays, however, in practice, too important a part for us not to pause upon it for a moment. So Marx is going, hey, we're doing this. Let's assume the whole system works as it's supposed to. But he's also going, hey, underpaying people, not underpaying people like in the sense that Marx has been talking about the whole time where you pay 120 in and only get 40 back, but underpaying where it's like, you know, you're selling your labor power for this, this 40 you should be able to, but by sheer force, you're only able to sell it for 30 or 20, or the 40 becomes less valuable and you're stuck at the 40 over th- the last 40 years. You know, stuff like that. Marx is saying, hey, look. I know I'm supposed to be doing this if it worked out perfectly, but this is so bad. We we just we got. I'm a materialist. We got to give this attention. It's a big deal. We just we cannot skip this. It's that bad. Yeah. Um. And and we can get into how wage theft is the biggest type of theft, uh, more times over than any other type of theft combined. Burglary, all of that. That's not even what Marx is getting into. Just like sheer underpaying people, you know, making people earn the minimum wage when they they should be able to do less. Uh, and, and again, this is at a time there's not necessarily minimum wage. Uh, so he says, forcible reductions of wages below their value place over practice to important part for us not to pause on for a moment. It, in fact, transforms within the certain limits the labor's necessary consumption fund into the fund for accumulation of capital. So your survival fund is pulled out to further exploit people more, and you're not even ready to survive. Wages, said John Stuart Mill, have no productive power. They are the price of a productive power. Wages do not contribute, along with the labor, to the production of economies no more than the price of tools contributes along with the tools themselves. If labor could be had without purchase, wages might be dispensed with. Uh, and obviously, you know, I mean, there were systems where slavery could exist and wages were dispensed with. <laughs> but if the laborers could live on air, they could not be bought at any price. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if wages could not be paid, there wouldn't be anyone that's desperate for it. You wouldn't go work to work every day if you didn't have bills. No. If, if you could just snap and there was food and clothes and a house and no bills, why would you go make someone richer? You would only do what you want to do. And maybe that's contributing society, make sure everyone has a house or food or bills. You know, I mean, or whatever. Or maybe another type of force comes in to, to, to train people to, to be like that because for the betterment of everyone. But there wouldn't be this, like, I, I got to go over here and make these widgets to make this guy rich just because I feel like it. No. Like, they'd have no power over you. They'd have to do, do real strong force, you know. Uh, so it says the zero of their cost is therefore a limit in a mathematical sense. Now, what he's talking about is in calculus, you have what's called a limit. A lot of people know this. So in calculus, you have a limit, which is, like, let's say you, you have a curve, okay? And on the curve, you have a tangent, just a line that goes across that touches that curve. Okay, uh, point X on the curve. So let's say point X is at three. So you're approaching three with this curve, but you never actually get to three. Well, since you're approaching three, you can all of a sudden just say, well, that's what we're definitely approaching. I'm going to take the number three and I'm going to treat it as a constant. I'm going to do this whole math equation as if this this variable X actually was three when I really mean approaching three. That's a limit. Marx is saying, hey, we have to use zero the same way. You know. Obviously, we can't get to zero, but we're going to just sit here in this equation. We're going to say, hey, we're going to do that. You know, we can treat zero as the actual constant, but we're always approaching zero, so we can't make it equal zero. Um, so it says the constant tendency of capital is to force the cost of labor backwards towards this zero. Now, he also means that in a real world. You're not going to do a math equation and just assume capital isn't paying anyone. Uh, but, you know, just to understand what he means when he says the limit. It uh, says at the end of the 18th, during the first 10 years of the 19th century, the English farmers and landlords 
enforce the absolute minimum of wage by paying the agriculture laborers less than the minimum in the form of wages, and the remainder in the shape of parochial relief. Hey, guess what we have today? <laughs> we got us some food stamps, we got us some charities out there, that kind of thing. You know, I mean, we talked about Walmart and Amazon. You know, Walmart is a company that pays people so little that tons of their employees, just a huge percentage of them, are on food stamps. And labor as a grocery store, or Walmart as a grocery store, especially a grocery store that, that lives in food deserts, mm-hmm. is the biggest recipient of food stamps. So Walmart gets to underpay its workers by essentially stealing out of the taxes. In <laughs> addition to all the other things we've talked about pay, throughout this episode of pay, subsidized pay know, the incentives workers. for them to, to yeah, I mean, we were talking about and, right. And so if we leave that riff in there, our, our thing about UBI and stuff and how they'll they'll find ways around it to abuse it. Walmart is abusing food, and that's not to say you know again, just like we talked about the UBI, it benefits the poor most. The last thing you want to yeah. do is take it away. No, God it's no. certainly a good thing. But as long as you leave the capitalist system in place, Walmart's going to take that advantage of it to further exploit the very people on the food stamps. Yes. Um, you know, and become richer and richer and richer. Everything's a disadvantage, even the stuff that helps us in this horrible system. Yes. It's such a bad system that that's true. Yes. Um, but you know, Walmart underpays you, so you have to be on food stamps. That's okay. They get to go. They get to take your taxpayer dollars, food stamps, and subsidize them. Even if nobody turned around and spent money on Walmart, that's personifying what Marx or with food stamps. That's personifying what Marx actually says here. And then, whether it's their employees or not, a large number of people on food stamps, including some of their employees come back and spend that on Walmart to give them revenue while Walmart and other people underpay their workers out of your pocket. Um, at the time of, of Marx, that didn't happen from governments because there weren't other socialist governments to force these kind of reforms uh, that you see in the New Deal or you see in the social democratic society uh, in Europe. The stuff that's being ripped away by austerity, that that came from years of socialist fights within these countries and pressures from outside, uh, like existing, you know, the Soviet Union, China, Cuba, uh, that gave people a goal to look at, like, we want to be like that. Um so Marx didn't have that at all. So the only relief was, and he talked about program relief, the church, you know, um, you know, go in there, stream sanctuary, and then get the, the, the bread from the, the poor box, you know. I mean, that's, and the capitalists are literally, he's saying, using that to pay you less. It's, it's nasty shit. Yeah. Um, there's some more going on about that, but that was the important sentence, I thought, in Chapter 4. Uh, the rest, I think, is kind of taken care of in the title. It is. Or, not Chapter 4, Section 4, I'm sorry. And then Section 5, again, I'll just read the title. It's The So-Called Labor Fund. Um, yeah. And uh, Section 5 is just a little rip to say, like, all these you know bourgeoisie economists, they say there's a certain fund out of which labor has to come out. And, you know... Bentham was a big guy that that I think said that too. Yes. Uh, and at some point that that's absurd. You know, there's not some limit of funds that you can use for labor. It can come from any amount of funds. Yes. Uh, it's just minimized so the capitalists can make more money. And that, my friends, is our amazing re-recording. <laughs> Round two, Electric Boogaloo. Round two, Electric Boogaloo of chapters 23 and 24. Uh, we're glad we could be here for you. Yeah. We're glad we could read through this ourselves. We're glad we can record our discussions to listen to back ourselves and you. Twice. Twice. <laughs> and Two we thank you for joining us again. And until next time, where we bring you chapter 25, goodbye. Bye.